is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There's, there's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Speedy. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, February 20th. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, ladies and gentlemen, as we have some of the best shows throughout the country. Uh, We do have some shows from Canada. All you have to do is check out the listings. We are live Every single week, the shows and the times and the listings. And if you want to listen to Sports Slamouts, we are live every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. My show, ladies and gentlemen, will be not airing throughout the week on Wednesday and Thursday this week. I will be going to Toronto. I'll be doing a couple of events, AHL, OHL, and the NHL. So I'm going out to Canada for the week. So tonight... We are doing the show on Monday. It's a four-hour show, and we have a great show lined up for you. But before we do that, Speedy, what's up, man? Had a fun weekend. I went to see Hamilton. Congratulations. Yes, I did. New York City was a fantastic show, fantastic theater as well, really well put together. It was a great time. Broadway, first time on Broadway in over 10 years, and Times Square was fantastic as well. We also went to this five-star Italian restaurant, Carmine's as well. Delicious. I've been to Carmine's. It is good. A good Italian restaurant. Uh Uh-huh. Fantastic. Very, very good. Uh, I forget what movie it was on the first time. Time I saw it, and then I had the opportunity to go and check it out. Uh, I went a couple of times to Carmine's and uh, with family and just with friends, and it was a great, great time. Uh, live music and great food. So if you've never been to Carmine, check it out in Manhattan. It is a very delicious Italian restaurant. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. So if anybody wants to call, they're more than welcome to. At 7.30, we'll be talking to Oregon sophomore safety Marco Vidacevic. So he will be joining us. He has been on the show a couple of years ago. Uh, We'll see how Oregon's been for him. I've heard he's done pretty well. He was a third-string safety the last year. I think he will be a starter this coming year. So shout-out to Marco. He is a New York Giant fan, so I'm sure Mm -hmm. he'll have enough Giant information as far as his arguments to where Giants football is going into the new year with Daniel Jones looking for a contract and Saquon Barkley also looking for a new contract. So we'll get into that as well. At 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to former Cowboys. Colts and Broncos, and one of the Gronk brothers, fullback Chris Gronkowski. He will be joining us at 10 o'clock. Obviously, he's the brother of Rob Gronkowski. Dan Gronkowski will be joining us a little bit later in the show. As everybody knows, this weekend, the Jets met with Derek Carr and his team over the weekend. So uh, we will get into that first. Obviously, some of our thoughts on what the Jets thought of him. And obviously, moving forward, looking for a starting quarterback, a veteran quarterback, as Woody Johnson at the Super Bowl at Radio Row was talking about bringing in a veteran quarterback, a guy that can help Zach Wilson grow and help this team move forward 
making the playoffs and maybe making a run at the Super Bowl. A young team, a talented team with some of the best young stars in the NFL. Daniel Jones switches agents this week and fires his agent, bringing another agent, and now is seeking a contract worth a minimum of $35 million, which we expected. Some people say $45 million mm-hmm. a year, yep. with one report believing it's $45 million. So it's... It's going to be interesting on what uh, the New York Giants and the Mara family and the Tish family think about that. Jeff Schwartz believes that Kyler Murray will not play for the new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, former defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. There is stories coming out from the Arizona Cardinals organization that he doesn't like that hire. So uh, Kyler Murray, who's a prima donna, who's been, you know, Offset with some of the things that he has said, not only on the field, because he talks in a third person, has said some intriguing and interesting things about the organization and the new head coach. So we will get into that. Jalen Ramsey deletes tweets, maybe implying Rams are looking to trade him. Now, Jalen Ramsey, who was at one point the best corner in football this past year, didn't have one of those seasons, maybe because the defense wasn't 100% healthy. Maybe the defense and Aaron Donald, who got the contract in the offseason last year, didn't want to play. I, I don't know, but the defense was not the same defense we saw when they won the Super Bowl. There is conversations that they are looking to possibly move them. And one of the teams that uh, is highly on his board is the uh, his old team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Russell Westbrook expected to sign with the Clippers after the Jazz buy him out. Russell Westbrook, who at one point this year, everybody thought was really washed up, but had a decent season with the the Lakers. I think he averaged about 18 points a game, uh, seven rebounds, and about five assists. Uh, It's not the same Russell Westbrook, but if you add Russell Westbrook to that Clippers team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, or they call him PG-13, that's the missing piece that maybe takes them over the hump. I I don't know if it does. He's not Chris Paul, okay? He's not a facilitator. He needs the ball in his hands to make things happen, so we'll get into that. The two teams in the lead for Patrick Kane, as far as the trade talks, uh, one, obviously the Leafs, and the other... The Rangers, and now there are stories coming out that both teams are not even interested in them. The Rangers added uh, Tyler Mott and also O'Reilly from the St. Louis Blues. The, the captain of the St. Louis Blues is now the Maple Leafs. So I don't see Patrick Kane in any thoughts of both of those teams. So where does he go next? Where do they go next? He has a no-movement clause. So where where does the Kane team go? I, I think the Boston Bruins are a team that definitely would fit. He wants to go play for a Stanley Cup contender, so uh, they're also a very big Stanley Cup contender, especially in Eastern Conference, the best team right now in in all of hockey. Steve Cohen says the Mets spring training spending does not mean a title. Now, all of a sudden, he's correcting himself. There's a lot to get into with the Yankees, the Mets, and some of the off-season acquisitions for some of these teams and where these teams fit This year, obviously, in the American League, the Astros and the Yankees are definitely the favorites. In the National League, it's really a fight between five or six teams. I think the National League has a lot of depth and with the Mets and the Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies and and then the Dodgers. The Cardinals are expected to be good this year, too. So there's a lot to get into with baseball now that pitches and catchers 
are now meeting in Florida. So let's get into it. And I know everybody's sitting here today and um, all the Jet fans are questioning what the Jets did this weekend. When they sat down with Derek Carr, his family, he spent the whole weekend, the whole weekend. And now he left today, uh, President's Day. Uh, with his family, and I'm sure he's going to be looking at other organizations, other teams. He sat down with the Saints twice, and a lot of people think that's the lead team to get Derek Carr. But a lot of people, especially Peter King, that spoke about the meeting this past weekend, speaks very highly for what he knows about what was talked about over the weekend with Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson and Chris Johnson is they really like Derek Carr. And they spoke very highly of Derek Carr, the professionalism of him as a player. And Derek Carr meets over the weekend, and and, and he's the Jets are the second team. He's also supposed to visit the Panthers and the Buccaneers uh, in the future. Chris Sims said about the Jets making a move for Carr, if you just want to go, wait, we need a guy that's going to come in, run an offense, play football, and add drama to the locker room and all that. The Jets are certainly a place I would look for Derek Carr. Sims also said about the Jets' potential trading for Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to trade away a lot of things and give a guy a lot of money. You don't really know how long you're going to get him for. You could be right back in the same boat next year, depending on how they feel about Zach Wilson going into next year's offseason. Carr last season had 3,522 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, with a completion percentage of 60.5% and an average of 7.2 per attempts with an 86.3 passing rating. Carr is a four-time pro bowler who's also a franchise all-time leader in most significant passing categories, including yards, 35,222, touchdowns, 217, and a quarterback rating of uh, over 91.8. The Jets Jets have never had a quarterback throw over 4,000 yards except one season with Joe Namath. Carr has four in his career. The Jets have been really looking to shed cap space over the last couple of weeks and talking about it. Nine players making over $10 million, but cutting Corey Davis, Carl Lawson, and Jordan Whitehead would create $32 million of cap space, while it would only be combined dead cap space for about $4 million. Now I believe they'll bring back Carl Lawson. He is going to have to renegotiate His player contract. Now, if they negotiated, just like C.J. Mosley over the last two seasons, I think Carl Lawson will come back. He still has two years left on his contract. The Jets could drop it. It doesn't hurt very much as far as cap space. And you look at Derek Carr, and I'll sit here as a Jet fan. I don't want Derek Carr. I can read what Chris Sims says. By the way, some of the stuff that... He has said about other quarterbacks over the last couple of years. He was wrong. He was right about Patrick Mahomes. So was Boomer Sison. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have been drafted over the last couple of years that have failed. And Chris Sims liked a lot of them. 
Now, that doesn't mean that Chris Sims doesn't know what he is talking about. It doesn't mean that Chris Sims is not a quarterback guru. What I could tell you is Derek Carr, do I, if, if you look at the quarterbacks that are available right now, Lamar Jackson, who could become available, and we'll get into that in just a few moments, Aaron Rodgers, who we don't know if he wants to retire. We don't know if he wants to stay with Green Bay. We don't know if Green Bay even wants him back, even though some people have said that they don't want him back. Ryan Tannehill, who's not a free agent but could be traded by the Titans. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, another quarterback that is going to be looking for another team. A lot of people believe he fits the best with the Raiders. What I see right now, when I look at the quarterbacks for the New York Jets, it makes sense for Derek Carr because they don't have to give up draft stock. They can build their offensive line, which they've had problems over the last year, year and a half. Uh, Elijah Veritake getting hurt early in the season did affect that offensive line when it was playing decent. Mekhi Beckham can't stay healthy. The last two seasons, he has not stayed healthy. As a matter of fact, in the last two seasons, he hasn't played one football game in the regular season. He's had two knee surgeries, reconstructed his knee this past year, and he was overweight every single year for the last two years going into training camp. So they cannot trust Makai Becton. You sit here right now and and you you talk about Dwayne Brown. I think they let go of Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown is going to have shoulder surgery if he hasn't had it already. He's probably not even going to start the season as the starting left tackle. Because shoulder surgery, you you have to be committed with that shoulder brace for at least six to seven months. Then you got to train. You got to strengthen that shoulder. By the time he's ready, he'll probably be back for the second, maybe fourth or fifth week. And there's just nothing of consistency with this offensive line. Connor McGovern is a free agent. They're not bringing him back. Lankin Tomlinson, he was, a, he was an acquisition that they made in the offseason. He really hasn't had a good season in his first year as a New York Jet. The only two guys on this offensive line that I believe in right now is Elijah Vera Tucker. And Max Mitchell, who we don't even know if he's going to start this year because of the blood clots. He might not be back this year because of the blood clots. And we've seen this from offensive linemen and defensive linemen that have had this situation before. Derek Carr is a good fit for the Jets. But is he good in New York? Is he going to take the pressure? He couldn't handle Oakland and Las Vegas. Nathaniel Hackett is a great offensive coordinator. He really is. A good and a very consistent offensive coordinator. Is he a good head coach? There are not many good offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators that became head coach coaches that have been successful. There are very few. And when you have a good one, especially an offensive coordinator, you expect this guy to take that offense to that next level. Because Mike LaFleur couldn't do that this year. He failed with Zach Wilson. And now I'm hearing that Mike White could go to the Rams. Who cares? And Joe Flacco's an old man. Now there are stories coming out that the Jets are probably going to offer Derek Carr a a contract. Now it doesn't mean that he's going to take it. 
He is going to look at the Buccaneers. He's going to probably go back and talk to the Saints and the Carolina Panthers. I believe the Carolina Panthers are going to try to trade up at one or two to get the quarterback of the future for the organization. Frank Wright is probably going to want to work with his own quarterback and build his own quarterback with a new team and a new organization, a young organization. I don't think Derek Carr would want to go to Carolina because I think they're trying to rebuild. Even though they have a good offensive line that played well in the second half and their defense was fantastic all season long. Very underrated. A lot of people say, hey, the Saints are a great fit. They have a good veteran offensive line. They have a good defense, which, by the way, they're $32 million over the cap. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to have to let go of some of their defensive linemen. They're top-end guys. They're probably going to have to give up maybe Thomas or somebody of that nature to add a guy like Derek Carr, who's going to be asking for at least $45 million. That's the costing price of a starting quarterback, especially especially a veteran quarterback. Is Derek Carr the one that the Jets should bring in? If I were the Jets right now, I'm still sitting on Aaron Rodgers. I will wait for Aaron Rodgers to sit down with Green Bay in the next week, hopefully. And, and Green Bay's got to push this, push this faster. Because if Green Bay does it, the Jets are going to have to make a decision with Derek Carr. Because there are three, possibly four teams that are interesting, interested in bringing in Derek Carr in as their starting quarterback. The one thing about Derek Carr is you don't have to trade away any pieces. You don't have to trade nothing. you got to figure out the contracts. Figure out how it works so you can re-sign Quinn Williams and Quincy Williams and make sure that this team is at whole going into the season, a top defense, a good, maybe a good young offensive line where you can draft an offensive lineman at number 13. Maybe bring in a center in the second or third round and solidify that offensive line for the next seven to eight years because you can't trust Makai Becton. It makes sense for Derek Carr. Uh, John Sarita says, I think Carr is the best situation for them. And he says, Rodgers said Jets was a no-go. He did not confirm Rodgers said the Jets was a no-go. All he said was the Raiders were the most likely at whatever golf event he was at. There was no confirmation that he would veto a trade to the New York Jets. So, Errol's right. Joe Douglas is going to push for that as long as it can go. And the Packers can't afford to wait. Uh, John also says, I agree. No draft capital involved with Carr. God just got to worry about the cash part. Yeah, but the, I think, like Errol was saying before, the Jets have the ability to shed up to $55 million dollars in cap. Now, I wouldn't cut Carl Lawson, but the other two definitely make a lot of sense that Errol's mentioning. Guys that they can get off the cap without having to do much dead cap make a lot of sense. And there's other veterans on that offensive line that are going to be free agents too. So they can definitely make the cap room for Derek Carr to happen very easily. And then there's Lamar Jackson. Next week, you could franchise tag your players. Now you get two tags. Exclusive tag and non-exclusive tag. When you look at the Jets right now, And the Baltimore Ravens, they have a good connection. Joe Douglas is a good connection. Now, Lamar obviously does not want to be in Baltimore. As far as what we have read, and he has posted things and taken them off of Twitter, and he's hid things in so many different ways, he might not want to be there. Now, with an exclusive tag, and if I was Baltimore... I would give him the exclusive tag because if you give him the non-exclusive tag, a team could sit down and negotiate with him, have to give up two sec- two first-round draft picks, guarantee two, se- two first-round draft picks, I'm sorry, 
if they if they give them the exclusive exclusive tag, they can actually ask for three first round draft picks and two second round draft picks. Now, when you look at Watson, Watson, the Texans got three first round draft picks and a lot of other different things. They gave exclusive different things. I think they gave up other picks. They gave up a second round pick and a fourth round pick. They got a lot back for Deshaun Watson. No, it was the highest cap hit in NFL history at $55 million. Lamar Jackson is just as good as Watson. Watson never won an MVP. Lamar Jackson has. And you look at it, I would give him the exclusive tag. Because then, if you can't sign him, you trade him, and you get as much back as you possibly can for Lamar. If I was the Baltimore Ravens, that's what I'm doing. Non-exclusive puts them in a situation where a team could sit down, negotiate a deal with Lamar, and then give the Baltimore Ravens two first-round draft picks. And that's all they have to give up to get them. Lamar Jackson is worth, in my eyes, even though I, as a Jet fan, I do not want to give up two first-round draft picks. I don't want to give up three. I don't want to give up two twos and, and, and three first-round I don't want to give up anything. What makes sense is going after Derek Carr. It makes a lot of sense. Aaron Rodgers, you don't want to play games with Aaron Rodgers. And even with Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to give up the 13th pick today. I mean, uh, this year. And you're probably going to have to give up a second and maybe a fourth. Maybe they're asking for a high price. Two first-round draft picks for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And you don't know if he'll be back next year. All we know is he doesn't want to retire this year with... Tom Brady and J.J. Watt because he does not want to be a part of that Hall of Fame class. He wants to go in on his own. He doesn't want to go in being compared to Tom Brady. We can argue the points of where the Jets should go. The the three quality quarterbacks I think they must look at, Lamar Jackson, which I think they're out on, Aaron Rodgers, makes sense. I don't know if I'm willing to take a chance with him and give up a significant amount of picks and wonder if he's going to come back next year because you can't trust Zach Wilson at least give him two years sitting on the bench behind a veteran quarterback where he can learn because right now he he doesn't know how to play the quarterback position. And Derek Carr, if you bring in Derek Carr, he's 31 going to be 32. You sign him four to five years, and which means and tells me that Zach Wilson is gone. They sit Zach Wilson on the bench for his first year, figure out what he is, or what he could be, and then you trade him in the offseason next year. That's where I think the Jets need to go. Derek Carr makes a lot of sense. When we come back, we'll be talking to Oregon sophomore safety Marco. Vidakovich here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mounts. I'm your host. Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy, Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. The listings are right on the page. All the live shows, you can interact with all the talents on our network. And you can call our phone uh, phone number and you can interact that way, too. And also go on all the social medias and talk uh, while they are live on 
uh, Twitter, Facebook, all the social medias. But we have a first guest. We are now talking to Oregon sophomore safety, Marco Vidakovic. Marco, what's up, man? What's up? How you doing? We're good, man. I'm sure you have a smile on your face. Oregon's treating you pretty well. And uh, your Giants made the playoffs, so I'm sure you're excited yeah, about that. They did. It was a good year. It was a good year for you, not a good year for me. I mean, <laughs> the Jets were 7-4 and four and then lose six games in a row. Uh, I, I'm not an excited guy. But, you know, the Giants had an easy schedule, so we'll go at that. We'll go to that. But anyways, uh, before we get into that, how are you, man? I, we haven't spoken to you in a while. Uh, we know uh, we, we spoke to you when you were a high school kid going right into college, and now you're two years in. How is it uh, over there in Oregon? How does it feel being a college sophomore uh, playing Oregon Duck football? It's been pretty good so far. Uh, my journey here now has been a lot of fun from the COVID year first, um, and then my second year in college was uh, finally normal. So that was a good experience. And now this past season was fun too. And school's been going great. Um, I'm going to graduate soon, thankfully, um, and then we'll see, hopefully, do my master's after that. But everything's been going to plan so far, so, yeah, can't complain. So Oregon got a new coach this year in Dan Lanning, uh, hired from that Georgia coaching staff that won the national championship in 2022. So what was, he, what was he like, especially for you as a defensive player, as a coach? It was very good because he's, um, he's a very player-friendly coach. He really has a good relationship with all his players. Um, everybody loves them and it was really good because we got a very young coaching staff now this up this past season and it was just nice for the team because I feel like we were the closest we've been since I've been here and I credit a lot of that to the coaching staff for um, getting us right with that. The safety position and the coordinating position and obviously playing in the secondary and understanding uh, the different types of reads. What is it like playing college football from high school football? What was so different when you came and played Oregon football? The biggest thing is probably the speed right away. Um, it's very much way faster than it is in high school. Um, then I would also say like the size and like what who and who you're going against because everybody's growing kind of into their adult bodies now. And um, so, yeah, it's probably the size and the speed is the biggest difference. So we've seen the versatility be a big impact of the safety position too. Have you been taught in different roles, having to play maybe like a slot corner or extra linebacker spot or something like that in your time so far with Oregon? Yeah. So I actually play nickel. So I play in the slot primarily. So yeah, that's been my position now since I got in here and it's been a lot of fun. We are talking to Oregon sophomore safety, Marco Vidakovic. Marco, obviously you come you come from the New York area. Uh, you're a big you're a big fan. You also come from another country. Uh, your family uh, is from another country. H how is your family doing for all the stuff that's going on overseas? They're doing pretty good. Um, yeah, they they've been back there now for two years, and it's been all good. My sister got done with high school over there, so she was off to college now too. Um, but yeah, all in all, family's doing really good. So I'm mean, sure trying to schedule you on the show last year. You mentioned you had a trip to Croatia. What was that like? Yeah, that was fun. I finally got back. I finally got to go back home to Croatia for the first time in three years. Or actually, no, it was five years at that point. And I finally saw my grandma again, um, which was really good to see and see all my uncles and aunts and cousins over there, too. So it was a really fun trip. And it was really good to be back home, even if it only was for like, I think, 10 days. It was a lot of fun. Much needed. 
Marco, was there a certain game last year that really stuck out to you uh, playing and, and, and really watching on the sidelines? Personally, it was um, the Georgia game. First big experience I've had. Certainly not the outcome we wanted that game. But other than that, I would say the BYU game at home was pretty electric. Um, that was the first time that year that Autzen was really going insane. Um, so that was a pretty good game. So in terms of the Pac-12 we're seeing this year, or in the next two years, we're seeing of UCS, USC and UCLA both moving to the Pac-12 now, and they're potentially poten- or being, moving to the Big Ten. They're potentially getting more from maybe the Mountain West or something like that. So conference expansion, also playoff expansion for college football. What do you think of it? I think it's definitely, I would be very for college football playoff expansion. I think it would make it way more entertaining. Um, We've been very close to cracking the top four. We've been in it. We unfortunately haven't been able to like sustain it towards the end of the year. But I think an expansion would um, certainly be a lot of fun, especially if they have like a tournament style um, conference champions versus conference champions. That'd be pretty cool. Well, uh, Marco, you've been in Oregon for a while. Uh, you've been there for two years. And there's a player that actually was drafted by your New York Giants that you probably know pretty well, Kavon Thibodeau. What were your thoughts this year, Kavon, in his first year as an NFL player and, and playing for your New York Giants? Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I was excited when they drafted him. And then once he started really picking it up, about four or five games to the year when he had that also coming out game versus the Redskins. That was a lot of fun to watch with the strip sack and the touchdown. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch him because, yeah, I got to see it firsthand at practice, so it's been pretty cool to see him on my favorite team. Mm-hmm. So, actually, one of the strengths of the Giants this year was their safety play. Three good safeties on this team. Rookie Dean Belton played very well this year when he was healthy. He was missed some time, but Julian Love was very good, and Xavier McKinney, when he was on the field, still hurt a lot, was very good. So, any of those three really stand out to you the most? Yeah, I thought Julian Love, hopefully we bring him back, too. Yeah. Um he was he was good. He was a good team captain for us. But I would say I kind of wish Xavier McKinney never got hurt last year because he was playing really good before that. But when he came back, he was really good again. So hopefully next year they can all stay healthy because I think we have a really good chance to be really good on defense again. We are talking to Oregon sophomore safety Marco Vidakovic. Marco, is there a particular player that stands out going into, combine, going into the combine this year on your team on the Ducks that really could be a high draft pick? A player? Yes. Oh, yeah, Christian Gonzalez um, or Noah Sewell. Um, yeah, so there, Gonzo's probably, yeah, hands down the best corner I've ever seen in my own eyes. Um, he's very good. Noah's been crazy since the first day I met him here when we came here at Oregon two years ago. And he's been nothing but a freak on the field, so they both deserve it, and hopefully they both go in the first round. Yeah, Gonzalez, I've seen rise up to like the top ten now in a lot of mock drafts. Some, yeah. Sometimes in the top five, one of the not not as the higher projected corner at the start of the year, but had a fantastic season. One of the best ones. Yeah. I think he was Pac-12 corner of the year, and then uh, even higher uh, now on the draft board. So uh, one of the guys we had on our show actually as well, uh, Terrence Ferguson, had a fantastic year at the tight end position for Oregon this year. Had mm. five touchdowns, over five hundred yards receiving. So what was he like on and off the field, watching him and being his teammates? Oh, yeah, T. Ferg was actually my roommate when he first got here. Um, so his first year, me and him lived together. We've been good friends since. Um, he's been going crazy since they won in practice. <laughs> kind of everybody knew right off the bat that he was going to be a really good tight end. And I think last year he really showed that. And he also took a step up with leadership and being vocal to other guys. So I think he has a very big year ahead of him. And, yeah, hopefully it's not 
yeah, no, hopefully it's big enough so he can go to the league, but hopefully I can play with him one more year. Has he taken you to his, uh, you know, tattoo artist? I mean, he's got tattoos all over his body now, man. I mean, seriously, I see yeah. it all over his leg. He's all over his arm. I mean, this guy's going to be covered with tattoos before he actually steps on an NFL football field. Yeah, he, he definitely likes his tattoos, and I always <laughs> see stories on Snapchat how he's always at the tattoo artist. Oh, he's in saying. love, too. I, I, he's I, He's pretty he's, – I, I see he's in love too. So uh, I'm happy for him. I think maybe the love is keeping him away from coming on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. As everybody knows, we are talking to Oregon sophomore safety Marco Vidakovic. Uh, Marco has been a friend of the show. He, he's actually been on a couple of times. The last time he was on was about a year and a half ago. And uh, I remember when he was a high school kid, he was a top uh, young recruit. Uh, and now he's playing. He's been. He's a sophomore on the Oregon Ducks, and 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 actually might have a chance to be a starter this coming year, which we're very much looking forward to seeing what you can do on a football field as a starter and playing, uh, you know, a full season as uh, the starting safety for the Ducks. When you look at the safety position, is there a particular safety that you have watched over the last couple of years that you can compare your skills to? I wouldn't say there's a particular safety. Nobody like jumps to my mind real right away off the bat. But personally, I just the guys I like watching is like he mentioned earlier. I think Xavier McKinney. I love watching him. Um, and then guys like um, Cardinal safety. Uh, what's his name again? Buda Baker. Uh, Buda Baker, exactly. Um, so yeah, there's two guys right away that kind of jumped to my mind. So you were born. Uh, you were born in Germany, and the NFL actually had a game in Germany this year: the Bucks and the Seahawks game in Munich. So, what do you think about potentially expanding? As maybe we've, they've talked about it in London, as a particular. But can you see an NFL franchise in Germany down the road if they start expanding internationally? Not a chance oh, yeah. in hell. I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> I, it's so big over there now. It's starting to grow so much every year since I've left. It's grown immensely, um, and I know that game was completely sold out. Yeah. Fans were pack in the stadium like three, four hours before kickoff and then stayed for another hour after the game was over. Um, I think they're really passionate about football over there. I don't know it's going to be if it's going to be in like the near future, mm. but I can certainly see something maybe 10, 15 years down the line. I think it's going to be longer than that. <laughs> I mean, the travel is crazy. I mean, to travel all the way to Germany, to the United States, I it's too much. Yeah. Even England, they're trying, they're trying to push England. I just, I can't see it. I see Canada. I, I could see that. Uh, Canadian teams, maybe two NFL Canadian teams, but over there in Europe, it's too much. It's too much traveling. I mean, even if jet, you get jet lag. I mean, you're we're talking about some teams traveling from the east to the west and getting jet lag. How many times have we heard uh, the Chargers jump, yep. you know, <laughs> go to Buffalo or go somewhere else, you know, Baltimore, and uh, they're not the same team because they're traveling, you know, over you know over the two days and get jet lagged. So I don't know if it makes a lot of sense. I know it makes sense when it comes to money. I just don't see the NFL trying to sell that uh, to ownership where it makes a lot of sense because their team's got to travel, you know, once or twice a year because they're in the same division of that particular team. So I don't know. Uh, we are talking to Oregon sophomore safety, Marco Vidakovic. Marco, uh, we, we know you're a Giant fan. Uh, when you look at, you know, some of these NFL teams that – uh, and 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 I've we've heard obviously Aaron Foster talk about it being rigged and and certain other players saying that it it's rigged it's it's scripted. When you hear those stories and and then you have the opportunity to play college football and then 
you know, you're, you're looking forward to possibly playing in the NFL and you're hearing this from ex-NFL players saying that it's rigged. Does that bother you to hear something like that from an ex-NFL superstar saying that the game is scripted? I don't know if he's doing it for the views or whatever, but I just, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that people and players put their bodies on the line like they do and some like have the injuries that they have and that that's scripted and that they have to go through rehab for years and years. Like it's hard to really script a game that's full force like that and everything. Maybe seeing a few other sports, but I don't really buy it or put anything into that. So you being a Giants fan, there was a big report earlier today that uh, Daniel Jones, he changes agents. He's now his new agent wants him to get a $45 million a year contract and a minimum of $35 million. So would you bring him back if you were if you were the GM? And what is your range that you the maximum value you would pay for him a year? <laughs> if he really does want $45 million, I think it's probably smartest to just tag him this year and then give him another year just because I, I don't know. I think that's a little too much. Um, I don't know if he's worth that. That's like Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. I think the five will be perfect because it'll also leave more money on the table to maybe pay Saquon a little more. Um, but I saw the report also come out today that maybe because they're going to pay Daniel Jones more, they're not going to be able to bring back Saquon. So that would be pretty tragic, I think. Well, I also heard that, and we will get into that after uh, we, we've, we're we finished with Marko uh, Vidakovic. Uh, we will get into the Giants. I know a lot of Giant fans on social media is asking us when we're, we're going to get into the Giants. And we will get into the Giants because I know the Giant fans are going crazy right now hearing that uh, Saquon, if they re-sign Daniel Jones, they're not going to be able to bring back Saquon. There is a way where it fits and it makes sense for the Giants, and we will explain it. I haven't an understanding on how it could work for the Giants, bringing both those guys back. The Giants are in a, a really good spot right now, especially next year. Their schedule's a little harder, but their position where they could bring both players back and still add a player or two and then still get their draft picks where they could still be uh, you know, building going into the offseason. And I think their coach is, to me, one of the more underrated coaches uh, and, and what he did this year. Uh, was very, very special. Again, we are talking to Oregon sophomore safety Marco Vidakovic. Marco, when you look at the game, especially the college game, and now you have the portal and you have the NILs, the money that these players are starting to make, and as well as they should, I've been saying this over and over and over again, that these players, you guys should be making money, should have been making money for years. And finally, the NIL stepped in and they're, they're trying to get you guys money. And then the portal, you could play one year with Georgia and ah, I don't like Georgia. I want to go jump in the portal again and zoom right into USC or zoom right into Oregon or zoom right into Maryland. Do you like this? Do you like the way the new rules and, and the new NCAA college season is moving towards this portal thing for players that they, if they don't like where they are, they can go wherever they want? I can certainly like understand it in certain situations. Certain guys always have different situations why they want to transfer and why not. So if it's really in the best interest of the player, I really think it's good. I just kind of, I guess, personally, I kind of miss the sticking it out, even if it's not going your way and just still working at it. Um until it maybe goes your way. Um, but I kind of, it's kind of made it like a, oh, if something's not going right right away, I'm just going to bounce somewhere else and see what's going to happen there. But grass isn't always greener on the other side. So I think a lot of the times people aren't going to want that kind of hardship in their college journey. Um, but certainly I think it also, there's a lot of stories where it literally changes careers like Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield, some of those guys. But I definitely think also that it kind of gives an outlet an easy way out sometimes, but certainly 
a lot of positive things. So one of our fans has a question. Uh, Snug asked, do you have a favorite European soccer team? Uh, yeah, probably Bayern Munich. I've been a fan of them for probably my whole childhood. My dad kind of got me into soccer and everything and been my team since. I still tune into the games, especially the Champions League, mm. the bigger uh, league games they have. So I still follow soccer a lot back over there in Europe. Again, we are talking to Oregon sophomore safety, Marco Vidakovic. If you don't know him, if you haven't followed our show, uh, he's been on our show quite a few times. Uh, a fan, a fan, fan friendly type of player who uh, goes out there and puts his heart on the line. I, I, I remember when we spoke to you, uh, your training, your, your whole method of getting ready for the season is very, very unique. When you look at you know some of the players, and obviously being in college for the last couple of years, is anything uh, you know in your off season changed? I mean, as far as your workouts are concerned, uh, your eating habits, what has changed over the last couple of years? I think there's been like a maturity level of um, realizing what I really need to really, I guess, change my body kind of in the off season, or just change the mentality in the off season. And I think I've just kind of matured and. Realize that getting enough sleep every night is important. Realizing that maybe eating junk food seven days a week isn't the best thing for your body and your performance. And realizing that just staying up late and not getting your sleep really, really does have an impact on your day the next day, how, what mood you're in, how you're going to perform on the field, what you're going to do, I guess, with your life too. So that's probably been the most thing, just maturing and realizing that there's sometimes just more important things. Come on. You don't like junk food. You don't like ice cream and Reese's Pieces, peanut butter cups, and Mike and I candies. My favorite, man. I mean, I try to, you know, stay in shape too, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there in age, but I'm not like 20, 20 years old, 21 years old like you where I can eat whatever I want and burn it off like in, in like two hours. I mean, I can't do that anymore, but come on, man. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite ice cream? My ice cream, my favorite ice cream. Uh, I'll probably have to go with a cookies and cream flavor. Oh, I love that too. Um, I certainly still I treat myself a lot. Of course, my favorite candy Skittles, and I also like Reese's. So, oh, we got something in common over here, man. I love my Reese's and I love my Skittles. All right, now I have to ask because of the Skittles. uh, (laughs) Where 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 do you stand on the better green Skittle debate? Oh, stop this! Stop this! I'll probably have to go with green apple. Really? Really? Yeah. Really? That's interesting. We argue about this all the time. I, I love Skittles. I, I thought the tropical Skittles, I, Speedy will tell you, there's like six, the sour Skittles. You ever have the sour oh, Skittles? Yeah. Oh, sour delicious. Ones are, sour ones are definitely tough to get through, though. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> you know what I do? I, 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 like, I get like five or six of them. I throw them in my mouth. And I don't even chew on them. I, I just suck them down until it, the, the coating comes off. And then I chew on them. You know what? I got, there's the wild berry ones too, and the, yeah, the tropical, like you said. There's one more, I think, too. There was a limited time one. I don't remember offhand. I think it was in an orange container. That's right. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what it was? It was like a creamsicle one. They had like an orange cream one. Yeah, I don't they, like those. The, it was yeah, a limited time one. You're right. Not all of them were good in that good. set, but no. there was like, there was like, there was a light blue one. I think it was only a limited time thing. I don't know if you've had that one, Marco. But no, I've never had that one. Yeah, but I like the sour ones. I, I, I will tell sour. you this: the the big candy man right now in the NFL is DK Metcalf. If you want to reach out to somebody that loves his candy and eats like bags and bags of it, this guy is in unbelievable physical shape. And this guy says every day he eats five bags of candy. Could you imagine that? Five bags of 
candy. He loves the gummy worms, the gummy, all the different things. I've seen him on a different, different shows. I would love to get DK Metcalf because I want to know how he, you know, his training method. I mean, this guy is built like an ox and he eats candy. He loves his sugar. He says he's a sugar crazed person. He, he doesn't really eat during the day, but it, his candy, he splits it out. He puts it, you know, he like mixes it up and he eats it by the hand. I mean, it's ridiculous. He had to take over the Seahawks uh, really candy legacy really, for Marshall it's Lynch. It's ridiculous. It really is funny, but I, I, thought I, was, I thought it was ironic how he got drug tested right after he won the MVP for the All-Star game. <laughs> had that commercial come out where he leaped like I don't know, 50 inches. No, he's he's a beast of a man. I mean, athletically gifted. I mean, that guy could do – I mean, he could play basketball. He was playing in this, the 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 uh, all-star – what is that? The celebrity celebrity game. Celebrity game. Yeah. He, he, was, he's, he could jump, man. That guy could jump. But uh, it, it's amazing the athletic ability of some of these guys. And you're very athletic, and I know you play a little basketball. I think I remember you saying that you're a pretty good uh, athlete, not just football. You do other things. Uh, what are the other sports that you're really, really good at that you really like to play? Uh, probably soccer. I played soccer for 11 years. Um, mm. That was my first sport, and I played it throughout my whole childhood. And then I think when I was like 14, mm. I made a decision just to stick with football. Mm. Um, Smart move. Yeah, soccer was definitely probably – that's why I still watch soccer so much. I always enjoy watching soccer. And whenever I can, sometimes I also go shoot a few balls, try to score some goals. I played varsity in every single sport – but soccer and lacrosse, those were the two sports. I, I thought lacrosse was too much like hockey and and running around, but you're hitting people with the sticks and stuff like that. And, you know, in hockey, you can't like do that. Best area hockey, can't do that. You know what I mean? So I was like, screw this. This is ru- this is going to ruin me playing hockey. We're also in the best area for lacrosse. Yes. The competition oh, is oh, stiff. Yeah. I, I, I mean, here yeah. in lacrosse, yeah. I mean, the, right. the college scholarships here are the best in the world. Okay. I mean, if you, if you play lacrosse here – if, and you're half decent, you're probably going to get a scholarship somewhere in the country. It, it's unbelievable here. But I was never into it. And soccer, forget about it. I was – for a coordinated guy that played hockey all those years, for some reason I was never coordinated enough to play soccer. I, I don't know. Running after a soccer ball and trying to use my head and my – you know, <laughs> not use my hands. I used to get so angry when I used to play intramurals uh, soccer. And I – it was – at once I was like, how could I actually – use my hands. I actually played goalie and I was, I wasn't so bad, but I wasn't good. So uh, it was embarrassing. It was the one sport I was always embarrassed to, to play and, and, and bowling. I can't bowl for crap. Okay. Yeah. I am a horrible bowler. I just recently started picking up bowling a little bit more. I kind of, the last three weeks I've gone like twice a week mm. and I'm hmm. kind of teaching myself how to spin the ball and everything and get the <laughs> curve to be consistent. And it's been a lot of fun, like just getting better at it and trying to get more consistent. You My know, brothers do that all the time. Yeah. You know what I do? I put those, what are those, the bunkers on? The bumpers, up? yeah. The bumpers on. And I, I just like, you know, I, I'm embarrassed. You just sock it and have it ricochet a bunch of times. <laughs> you know what it is? Is when you go on a date, the first thing, first place a girl wants to go is bowl. And you want to know something? It's the one thing I'm not good at. I could go to a driving range. I could drive a golf ball. I could do any of that kind of stuff because I always had, I was a hockey player. So I always had a good swing. But. It, it, they tell them it, it was always like the first place you go. Let's go to a movie or let's go to a bowling alley. And I always got embarrassed. Always got embarrassed bowling. For an athletic guy like me to try to bowl with those bumpers, I would tell them the, the girl, any girl that I've ever gone with, they would tell me, even my girlfriend right now, she would tell me like, you know, like, 
Like, uh, I, I'm going to outbeat you. And, and we were, we're always neck and neck, but she usually beats me. It, it's very embarrassing. So N- never go. If you're, you're not a good bowler, you don't want to embarrass yourself, don't go with a girl. That's all I'm going to say. Do not go with a girl because you'll be the laughing stock and, and a joke of everybody's conversation if you're going on double dates or triple dates or whatever the hell you're doing. As everybody knows, we are talking to Oregon sophomore safety Marco Vidakovic. Last question for me, Marco. Going into this season, what do you want to do as far as a player that will set you from all the rest from those Oregon Ducks that you're going to go into the season? I kind of just, I guess, focus on just – being more present, kind of really focusing on getting better now towards the season as it comes and taking care of my body, trying to be fully healthy and then really trying to get faster and stronger as it comes towards the season. And then I think also just the uh, mental part of the game with learning the playbook and everything. I really want to be on top of my playbook this year and kind of know multiple positions. So my last question, a very uh, very sad note at the beginning of the season for your team, Spencer Brown, uh, passing away tight end. Sorry to hear that, by the way. Yeah, very suddenly at the start of the season. So what was he like as a teammate on and off the field, your best memory of him? Uh, Spencer Webb was like, he was a really good, um, he was a really good friend of mine. Um, he was two years older than me, and he kind of, he was kind of like a, we didn't get along at first, but then once we started um, getting to know more about each other, we kind of became good friends, and did a lot of things together. It was a lot of fun and it was very, very tragic moment and probably one of the saddest days of my life so far. I really haven't had to deal with anybody, my close circle passing. Um, so that was one of the hardest times of my life so far. And then it was just also tough for the team in total. Cause we really lost a brother and he was really like the kind of the superstar of our team. He was the biggest personality on our team. Really everybody on the team liked him and looked up to him. So it was, it was very tough on all of us. And, we really had to like count on each other and lean on each other to get through that time. Well, we're sorry to hear that, man. And uh, uh, we're looking forward to the season this year and, and seeing you actually step on the field as a starter. I, I believe you're going to be a starter this year. And uh, it, it's probably something that you, you've been looking forward to uh, ever since coming out of high school and going to play for Oregon and, and, and getting the opportunity to go and play for a D1 school. So we're looking forward to the season. And uh, good luck. Uh, we will get you on. Much sooner than we have, man. I, I, I'm sorry. It's reaching out to, you know, it is. It's been a long road for you, man. All you guys, all the young uh, guy, all, all the young recruits that we've interviewed over the last couple of years and seeing the growth of some of you guys. Some of you guys could be, I, I mean, we, we've had quarterbacks that could be second round, maybe even first round picks in the near future. And even you, Marco, I mean, you're a talented kid. You have a, a tremendous ability and, and I expect big things from you. So, uh, and, and you have a big personality. So uh, much deserved and, and looking forward to the season. Thank you for joining us, bud. I appreciate you guys for having me, too. Absolutely. Uh, We were just talking to the great and uh, smart and, uh, you know, giant fan. Yes, a giant fan. And and Skittle lover. And Skittle. That's that's where we have a connection. It's not the Giants, but the Skittles. I I am a Skittle, and, you know, uh, we should bring Marshawn Lynch on. I mean, uh, we know he's the Skittle man. Oh, yeah. He's been on all the commercials. But uh, thank you to Oregon sophomore safety, Marco Vidakovic. Uh, Very, very nice kid. And... uh, Good personality. He really is. And uh, looking forward to the season and watching the Oregon Ducks, who had a very good season this year. They were 10-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Had a very good season. And with a new coach and a, and a new opportunity, I think Marco could be a star over there uh, with a very, very good defense. So, Marco Vidakovic. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 
I know everybody's been waiting for the New York Giants. I know everybody's sitting here asking me, what, what do I think about the Giants? Where do I think the Giants go uh, with this whole Daniel Jones thing? And I, I know w- when you go and you, you kind of look at what Daniel Jones did this uh, this weekend and firing their, firing his agent, bringing a new agent in, it, it's all about money. It really is. And Jones uh, switched from CAA, uh, an, uh, a very well-known agency, um, and, and it's so interesting, uh, which uh, as a rookie and, and really with a new GM and a new coach, you wondered what the Giants were going to do. They waived his his fifth year option going into the season, which I thought was a big mistake for the New York Giants. I really do. And and being that Dable is the quarterback whisperer, I've been saying this over and over again. When he was in Buffalo, he changed Josh Allen's throwing method, uh, his footwork, everything. Josh Allen is a different quarterback because of Dable. And then Dable came to the New York Giants, and everybody said, oh, he's not going to fix Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a, a fumble waiting to happen. The guy can't, can't his, feet, his footwork, he trips on his own feet. Everything about him, he's just completely off since he's come to the NFL. And I think Dable really figured out who Daniel Jones is. Not only is he a great mobile quarterback, there's only three, there's only two other quarterbacks that ran as much as he did this year. One of them was his former uh, quarterback in Josh Allen over there in Buffalo, who had a very good season still running the ball. And the other one, Jalen Hurts, was the other one who went to the Super Bowl. Now, Daniel Jones this year, the, the Giants, their schedule was pretty easy. But you play what's on your schedule. But Jones, who now uh, w- will switch to CAA, a very well-known organization, uh, an organization I was – I spoke to quite a few times, and I was trying to get a CAA guy on the show to talk about some of their, uh, some of the players that you know. Obviously, he works with Joe Shane has expressed that his priority to resign uh, Daniel Jones this year and Saquon Barkley is so very important, and very distinct moving forward this offseason. He wants to give him a long term deal, but again, he doesn't want to make a mistake. Now, with Daniel Jones. You could probably give him a franchise tag. He had his first great season as a New York Giants. They have to give most of that money to Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley wants to, you know, be close to a Christian McCaffrey type of money. Christian McCaffrey is making $16 million a year. I don't know if the Giants are going to give him $16 million. I think they meet halfway. I would say thirteen to $14 million would make a lot of sense. Uh, I know the Giants don't want to give him more than three years. But giving him a fourth-year option would be pretty good and then give him more guaranteed money. That's where I think Saquon wants to reach a, you know, reach a, a, a contract with the Giants where he is getting more money up front than he is waiting for it. Now, the franchise tag for a quarterback this season would be $32.4 million. Which leaves the Giants, I think the Giants right now are $54 million, they have $54 million, which leaves the Giants... About, I would say about 18, you know, between 13 and $18 million to work with with Saquon Barkley because they still have to re-sign Love and, and certain other players. Dexter that they Lawrence, have. too. Dexter Lawrence, too. So they have to figure out how it makes sense where they can fit Dexter Lawrence. Now, if they franchise Daniel Jones, it makes a lot of sense because then they can re-sign Dexter Lawrence, they can re-sign Saquon Barkley, and they can bring in, you know, they can bring back Love. It makes a lot of sense. Now, I understand Daniel Jones wants a big contract. He deserves it. He really does. And most quarterbacks want 
45 to 50 million. That's the asking price now a quarterback. What do you think Derek Carr's going to get? He's going to get between 45 and 50. Aaron Aaron Rodgers changed everything last year, getting the two years, 50 million a year, which made him, he, he was supposed to make about $100 million. Now, he's going into his second year of 50 million, and now he could be traded, or he could be moved, or whatever. So, I, I mean, that's the new asking price for quarterbacks now. Since the switch to his new agent or agency, insiders project Jones to make about $35 million per year on what would be most likely a four-year extension. Athletes First has been, uh, I'm sorry, Athletes First has been uh, an agency for five different quarterbacks who have had been the highest paid quarterbacks at the time in terms of average annual value, including recently Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott. Wide receivers Isaiah Hodgins, who re-signed with the Giants a one-year deal called Jones a baby Josh Allen in reference to his skills. Jones had 3,205 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 67.2% completion percentage, averaging 6.8 yards per passing attempt. Jones had 120 carries for 708 yards and seven rushing touchdowns and 57 carries resulting in first down. So what Daniel Jones did this year is something that not many quarterbacks do every single year. As a matter of fact, only two quarterbacks did. If Lamar Jackson was 100% healthy this year, he probably would have been the fourth that did that. Kyler Murray has become more of a pocket-present quarterback. I, for, for some reason, he, he decided not to run this year. And when he did run, he, he tore his ACL. Maybe it was because of the fields. Maybe that was the reason why he didn't want to run, because we all know what happened at the Super Bowl and the, the complaining about the field that the NFL paid so much money uh, to, I guess, take care of for the last two years for this Super Bowl. Bad coaching didn't help either. No. Darius Slayton led the Giants in receiving yards for 724 yards, and Richie James and Isaiah Hotchins led with four receiving touchdowns, the lowest leading receivers for any playoff team this season. So the Giants need to add offensive help. It's not just Saquon Barkley. They like running the ball. They're going to they're going to feed the beast. And I do believe they could bring in a running back, maybe not as good as Saquon Barkley, but they could bring in a running back like a Hunt, a Kareem Hunt, who might be cheaper than Saquon Barkley. Now, I'm not, I don't know how much cheaper. Maybe $10 million instead of 13 or 14 so you're saving $3 million. But Kareem Hunt's going to be available this offseason. So if the Giants think that they have no shot at bringing Saquon Barkley back, you got to figure out who's going to be the guy that's going to take most of those receptions and most of those carries. Saquon Barkley is a unique individual. You need a guy that can be a multitasker on the field. Not just do, not just catch, not just carry, but block. Saquon is good in all three areas. And that's where the Giants need to make sure that if they decide to part ways with him, and, and, and Shane, Joe Shane might, he might decide to part ways with him. He, if you know the Buffalo way, they don't care. They don't really re-sign um, running backs after they, they go out with their rookie contract. They really don't do that. We've seen a lot of running backs on their second contracts have a lot of issues. We were talking about it last week. Alvin Kamara, illegal, illegal they really don't do that. So, yeah, yeah. And you look at some guys with injuries. Derrick Henry's been in very injury prone since his second contract. Ezekiel Elliott's just been really bad since his second contract. A lot of them don't work. 
uh, also, when you, when you look at the picture, the big picture where the Giants are at, the Giants are not just Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley away from being a contender. Okay, they need to make the right decision for the organization and where the organization is moving. Now, I would franchise. I would absolutely franchise Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones will play this year because he wants to prove himself going into next season where he can get the 45 million a year or 50 million. I think the Giants want to see it again. They want to see him prove it again that he can put up the same numbers or close to the same numbers that he could be the quarterback of the future for the organization. Do I think he could? Do I think he's capable? Absolutely. I think Dable thinks he's capable too. Now, are you worried about a situation where we've seen with other quarterbacks where they get frustrated with the franchise tag with him? I don't think so, because Daniel Jones knows he needs to prove himself again. Okay. He's only done this one year. I mean, everybody keeps saying, well, Jalen Hurts. I don't think Jalen Hurts, even though a lot of people believe that if they wait until next year, Jalen Hurts wasn't a first-round draft pick. He was second-round draft pick. Right. So next year is his final year. If they wait to his final year, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Well, they could franchise him, but then, you know, with the exclusive tag or the non-exclusive tag, they could get first-round draft picks, but they could also lose Jalen Hurts. And also the potential for the salary cap to go up again. Absolutely. So I don't think Philadelphia is going to take that chance, being that he's become an elite quarterback in his first, you know, full season as a starter. So I expect Jalen Hurts this coming year – uh, going into this offseason to get the contract, I don't know. He might take less because being that he's not he's not one of those greedy players. And he, he's proven that he's not greedy. He's a team player. Now, he is going to be asking between 40 and 45. I, I think that he, he probably would take 40 a year and, and get the extension for five or six years because then it will help the team and, and give the team options where they can re-sign players or veteran players that he wants to come back or go after free agents that could fit and help them win a Super Bowl, which they fell short this year. So there's a lot of decisions that a lot of these teams need to make when it comes to the quarterback position. But when you find a franchise quarterback, you want to make sure that you have them for good. You want to make sure that you're, you, you, you have them sign going into uh, his final season. This is Daniel Jones' final season, his fifth year. Now, is any team, if they, let's say they franchise him this year, comes back, and he has another good season. Is any any team, if they give him a franchise tag or uh, a non-exclusive franchise tag, is anybody going to be willing to give up two first-round draft picks for him? I don't think so. No. If they give him a franchise tag right now, no team is going to offer the Giants a first-round draft pick for Daniel Jones. Not right now because they don't know what he is fully. They saw what he did this year. They want to see it a second year. If he does it again this coming year, they could still franchise him next year, figure out the contract, which I would believe that if he has a back-to-back year, the Giants, the Mara family, and the Tisch family will give him the contract that he's going to be asking for. But I think he need, this is a prove-it uh, second year. That's what I think it's going to be. Saquon already proved that he could play. Saquon already proved he can be an elite player. He proved it. But, being that he's 27 years old, are you going to give a 27-year-old running back $14 million a year? Now, Giant fans will be pissed off if they let Saquon Barkley go. And he goes to free agency. He can go to Miami. Some people say the Miami Dolphins oh, yeah. are very interested in him. I've heard uh, Arizona could be very interested in him, uh, being that they have a coach in Gannon who comes from the same division. He understands Saquon Barkley. He knows what he likes to do. He'll, most of those guys from that division like to run first, throw second. 
especially defensive coordinator. Coordinator, We've seen a lot of defensive coordinators, A.K. Robert Sala, who likes to run first, throw second. That's what they like to do. They like to play smash-mouth basket, basketball, smash-mouth football. And also coming from a team in the Eagles that were yeah. fifth in the league in rushing yards, yeah. too. And succeeded with yeah. a, two running backs that are good, but not as good as Saquon. I think when you look at this situation where the Giants are at, and, and I know there's a lot of Giant fans sitting here today, and they're saying, well, how do we sign both of them? Just remember that you have a guy, a defensive tackle in Dexter Lawrence, who to me, is the leader of that defense. Probably, It's not even probably. He is the best player on that defense. And you need to make sure that you make him happy. Yeah. Not just Saquon Barkley. You need to make him happy because a defensive tackle who's only, what, 26 years old, yep. who has his whole career in front of him, has an opportunity to play another five, six years at his position and dominate the way he did this year, especially in the playoffs in the first round. He was unbelievable against Minnesota. If you want to you want to ask me my real opinion on why they beat Minnesota in the first game, it was because of Dexter Lawrence. He was throwing that offensive line around. Yes, they weren't 100% healthy, but that was, that's a good offensive line, and he's tossing them around. So I, I, I think Dexter Lawrence plays a big factor in the future where this team is going. They cannot – and they, they could franchise him. They could give him the non-franchise, uh, the non-exclusive. Million, yeah. They're not going to do that. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine they're that. They're going to extend him. They're going to extend uh, Saquon. I think they're going to franchise tag Daniel Jones. That's what I think right. they're going I to do. I think, right. I th- actually think he might be the most likely to be disgruntled because of the way the defensive tackle market's gone up, too. We talked yes. about it last week with Quentin Williams. Like They're probably going to have to give him $21 million a year. 22. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. And Dexter Lawrence, while he wasn't as good as Quentin with th- this year, wasn't far behind and was the best like in terms of 3-4 nose tackles this I mean, year. I mean, I'm not saying this as a Jet fan. I mean, Quentin Williams was... A first-team All-Pro player. No, I know I that. Mean, Dexter, if you look at Dexter Lawrence, like if you want to rank him performance-wise defensive tackles, if you want to say Quinn Williams is either one or two with Chris Jones, and then Dexter Lawrence is probably fourth or fifth. Yeah, way yes, but it, yeah. I mean, but you're, you're not going to get Quint, Quinton Williams' No, I don't money. think they will either, but you know, he hasn't proven it enough as a consistency when it comes to the Packers. And that's what scares yeah. me about Quinton Williams as a Jet fan, because... If they bring in Aaron Rodgers, they're going to have to give Aaron Rodgers $50 million, and they're going to have to spread it out for the next four years, even if it makes sense. Now, I've heard from Peter King they could spread out fifteen, but Aaron Rodgers is going to have to agree to it. Fifteen this year, 32 next year, and then the next two years after that, they're going to have to hurt their cap $20 million. So that's a lot of money that the Jets are going to have to spread out, and, and Aaron Rodgers might not be a part of the team three years from now. So it definitely affects them moving forward, especially to free agency and, and even draft stock when they're drafting their first-round picks and what they're going to pay them. Uh, Kenny says they should franchise Daniel Jones. I would give him $14 million if, I, if there was my, my money. For, I think he meant for Saquon. I think he meant for Saquon. Uh, I think he's – I think Saquon – I, I think where, where Saquon is, he deserves between 13 and $14 million, but they have to make it make sense. Yeah, I don't think that organization is giving him any more than 12 personally. Yeah, it has to make sense. Uh, by the way, we have Jeff on the phone. Jeff, what's up, bud? How are you, Earl? Uh, it's Errol. And stop being your uh, You're turning into Miami Heat. Self. Don't turn into Miami Heat, Jeff. You're, you're no, 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 no. It's self. a tribute to Miami Heat. It's yeah. a tribute oh, really? to it. Thank you. We, <laughs> we, don't know if it, we don't know if he's dead or in prison, so uh, yeah. I'm going to pour Maybe, out a little who bit. Who knows? Maybe cocktail. both at this rate. Who knows? I mean, he <laughs> but, hasn't uh, been listening to the show for a while. So Look, look, Speedy. Yeah. Don't be the beeve. Don't be the beeve. Don't, don't do the whole thing. You what? don't want Saquon Barkley. Take that money, draft 80 other running backs, sign Daniel Jones long-term. 
I mean, you're a spoiled franchise, Speedy. You're the one in New York that knows how to draft a quarterback. You went from one franchise quarterback right to your next franchise quarterback. You're not like that poverty franchise you share a building with. Keep the quarterback and and let Saquon Barkley go. Keep Dexter Lawrence long-term. I like that kid. And keep this thing moving the way it should be moving. No Saquon Barkley. You don't want to be in the FUD running around telling everyone, oh, Ezekiel Elliott and this and that. You don't want to be the New York version of FUD. Don't do it. Well, again, would you still, though, consider a franchise tag, though, with him, too? Because that's $10 million, and the Giants I, can definitely make that work. I, yeah, you, no, you franchise him and you trade him. That's what you do. You get something for him on the way out the door, and then you draft ten, and you draft seven running backs. Every pick seven in the draft this year, running back. <laughs> the Giants need way too much to draft seven picks on a running back. They need way okay, too many wide receivers. They need way too many wide receivers and a receiver. couple interior offensive linemen to be able to draft Wait, some. In, uh, to draft they all need that. corner you know, help too. I, I depth for corners. I don't think they're their overall corners aren't that bad, but they need could use some depth. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm Hold on, on one second. You think that their corners are good enough? They're fine. I don't think they're great. Like, I think they're all right. Like, uh, the, the main issue with the Giants last year is their corners were hurt a lot. I don't think it was that. Was I don't that trust bad. the corner. But they need a shutdown corner. They don't have now, one. Now, there are thoughts that they might trade a Dory Jackson with his contract. If that's the case, yeah, they definitely need a number one. But I think their corners, in terms of their— You think a Dory Jackson is a number one? Is a low-end number one. I don't think so. Low-end number I think number he's a number one. two. I think he's a number two. He's not a number one. But I agree. I don't. I don't love his contract. So they he, trade he him. played very well against Jefferson in that in that game against Minnesota. Absolutely did. But against Philadelphia, he was horrible. He was horrid in that game. So I'm not right, trusting. But, right, but the but the Giants are playing chess, not checkers, right? Because think about this. What's the whole goal of the Giants to beat teams in the NFC East? Right, like that's the whole thing. We just don't want them to succeed. So what did the Giants do? Gave the Eagles James Bradbury. What happened? Eagles lost. Hmm. <laughs> yes, I found a very committed a holding penalty. But of course, that what, yes, but of course they also had an interception against the Giants too in the playoff game. Right, right. But you don't, you know, the running game doesn't matter. You don't need the running back for the running game. Like, there's only like one or two teams that need a, the running back to make the running game work. Like, the rest of the league does it by offensive line. So. Take oh what a nice goal that was Rangers down three nothing eat shit Fud all right stop uh, with the curses uh, <laughs> no but like you don't you don't need uh, running backs you need offensive line as the offensive line is the running game will still go so why pay running backs exorbitant amounts of dollars when it's honestly the least important position in the league. Well, Anyone it, can run the football. Well, you're right, because at the running back position, you don't want to overpay. Look at Zeke. The, the Cowboys overpaid him, and they're in really salary cap hell with Zeke Elliott. And, and now going into the offseason, they're probably going to drop him, but it, it's still going to be a high cap. I think it's like $9 million if they drop Zeke. Right. So it, it, it definitely affects them moving forward. So I, I think that the Giants need to be careful. But again, he's their offense. How are you going to give up? Now, you could bring in Kareem Hunt, but Kareem Hunt's going to be expecting probably around $10 million too. So or you could just draft million. guys and or you could just draft but guys no, that will only cost that half a million dollars. But Jeff, those aren't guarantees and they need a they need a obviously the way they run the ball and the way uh Dable likes to run the ball, they need a star running back to run that and, and carry the ball they don't at least. They need a star running back. They if they do. get an offensive line, anybody is a star. All right. Anybody. Get an offensive line. Do you know how expensive it is to get an offensive <laughs> line? They have one Not offensive lineman. They have one good offensive lineman. 
Right. But not if you draft them. All right, but you're not drafting five guys. guys. And they could get and they could get some guys in free agency. And and think about the whole they can hold on, hold on. Let, let's let's really look at the cap right now. All right. Uh, so let's say they decide to part ways with Saquon Barkley. They have to give Dexter Lawrence between 16 and $17 million a year. Right. That's what the asking price is for a defensive tackle. And then they have to pay Daniel Jones, which is going to be between 35 and $40 million. He wants 45 So, okay, you take that. They have $54 million or $57 million under the cap. How much money do they have left? Yeah, and again, they also have such a bad weakness at wide receiver. They can't they really don't have afford a lot that of money anyway. left. Yeah, they're not going to have anything left. They're really going to have to just attack interior offensive line, and then you have to hope the receivers can do something because they were not good. Offensive linemen are expensive. Mm-hmm. So you have to. Yeah, they can't. They- they can be, but there's a lot of really quality guys out there that can come in and start. For, and, how, much? And... <laughs> For how much? Depends I mean, on the age. But, right, but you're laughing. But fifty something. I'm laughing is, because. Is, is, but fifty something million is like a probably what fifth or sixth most money in the league. No, the Giants have a good amount of cap space, but again, if, if they do give Daniel Jones the all right, let's even close to the money. Let's say wants, let's say thirty eight million for Daniel. They're okay? either gonna they're gonna either have to either sixteen backload the contract. All right, or, so they going into the offseason, I think the Giants had fifty seven, fifty eight million. Uh, yeah, I think it was fifty seven. All right, so, so if yeah. they give Texter Lawrence sixteen to well, seventeen, so that million. was going into the also uh, yes. so. Does that account for the twenty million or or seventeen million the cap went up? It also accounts for the fact they also just paid Isaiah Hodgins too. So they're, that, it's even, that's it's actually, a lot of money. It's not a lot of no. money. I think they're down to forty six now. So yeah. So so let's say the Giants. Uh, okay, they're down to forty six, yeah. but they'll probably cut some players. So let's bring it back to fifty four, okay. fifty five million. Okay, Dex Lawrence is going to ask for seventeen, right? Or sixteen. Let's say sixteen. We'll take the the low road here. And then you have $38 million, the low for what Daniel Jones wants, 45 They meet halfway. They get 38 a year. Okay? That's $54 million. <laughs> right. But, that, right, but that, that's not how it works. So, I mean, you, do it, you doing that is just foolishness. Because depending on how much you give in a, bon- a signing bonus and that thing, mm-hmm. it lowers their cap number from from. But how much? But it's going to rearrange later. It, 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 right, right, it, right. They, there's ways they can do it, and trust me, they have. If they have fifty five million dollars in cap space, they have plenty of money to go and get a receiver, to go and get some offensive linemen, to resign their guys. They got plenty of money to do that. All right. Remember the but, Jets last year. Remember the Jets, the Jets had a, a pretty oh, decent how amount can of we money. Forget it's all you talk about. Uh, no, just, Led that's the not that's not true. I, I yes, because Derek Carr was the big story here in New York. That was the big story. The, the big story should be the team that made the playoffs. Oh, stop Who it! Was that Speedy? Stop it! The I know what team made the playoffs. All right, the it, team that matters in New York. Okay, good. The team that matters in your eyes. But again, going back to the Giants. Even if that they they reconstruct that and things fall the way it, it falls, let's say they it's ten million dollars they save. Who are you paying? What offensive lineman are you bringing in free agency for ten million dollars? Unless plenty of them. And, all right, plenty of how old are they? Thirty five, thirty four. That would be if they did probably did two of them. If they or wanted they to get bring, anyone young, they could only get one. For that, or price. they could bring in a twenty five year old. They could bring in Isaiah Wynn, have him play guard. And how much is that going to cost? Not a lot, really. Yeah, not a lot. Now he struggled his last two years. He probably wouldn't be a lot. Right. But... Yeah, probably wouldn't be a lot. Eight million, maybe. See? Seven, eight million. Right. Probably, probably yeah. less. Oh, so less? you're going to yeah. bring? You're going to bring in one offensive lineman to an offensive no. line that is 
really that and bad. And there's plenty no, of, like, what, do, well, what do they need? Do they need centers? There's plenty yes, of centers available. they definitely do. Right, there's plenty of centers. I'll give, centers I draft those. a center. I'll give John Feliciano credit, like, he held his own for playing center for the first time in his career, but he's still better as a guard, so I would prefer to move him to guard. And they're going to lose Mark Lewinsky, who was on a one-year deal and didn't play well but this year. The, so. the, the free agency is loaded with centers, though. They got Questenberry, Bradbury. Uh, Ferens, like tons of dudes. They got there's plenty of guys out there that they can go and get. All right, for Bradbury. If they if if the Vikings let Bradbury go, he'll definitely be pricey because he's young. Now he had injury right. issues towards this year, end of this year, which well, helped Rodney the Giants. Hudson? Would you like Rodney Hudson? Not, not anymore. He was really good. He's kind of fallen off the last two years. I don't know if I would want to take that chance. Jason Kelsey, Connor McGovern, Justin. Uh, let's see who else is on the Jason list. Jason Kelsey might Austin retire. Play only one year if he does play one year with the Eagles. That he's not going anywhere else. Yeah, and I think Jason right? Kelsey will probably come back if if he plays one more. year I think with he'll the play Eagles. one more year with the Eagles. Yeah, so do I. So do I. So I, I think. But there's plenty of guys out there that they could go and get. It's not. It's not that hard to fill holes. There's plenty of guys that sign reasonable contracts around the league. It's just I understand what you're saying, Jeff, but you have to you have to look also. You have to sign your rookies. You have to you're drafting guys. You're going after. Do you know how much it costs? Do you know how much? Do you know how much it costs to sign your rookies? I, I don't. But again, yeah, with six the, million, six million dollars. All right, so for all of them, uh, uh, six, for all no, of them. no, that's not yes. true. It depends on the yes. position. It's about where yes. you're, you're drafting. Position. No, no, it's and no, it's absolutely true because the back end guys, their contracts aren't even guaranteed, and even if they are. Do you know what it is when you're like a six-round draft pick? It's like $300,000. Yeah, $6 million gets you your entire rookie class. Right, but there's also now – they're changing this rule, I think, at the beginning of next season too. There's also going to be performance bonuses too now with later draft picks. I, I'm right, right, interested. There, right, there I'm can interested be, but you don't – right, there can be. But the, but the funny thing about that is you don't get performances bonus when you first get drafted. So it doesn't cost anything. Again, I don't know how, obviously, the draft and how much money they're going to get. And every single year, it probably changes. So yeah. I'm interested to see. Where, where, you need $6 million Speedy, to Speedy, all of your Speedy, dudes. look that up. Look that up for you us. Know, you know uh, how I know? How do you know? The, the do you Patriots know? only had $8 million last year and got it done and with a million and a half. And it doesn't matter there. where you're drafting. It doesn't matter where you're drafting. Uh, not really. Well, because not the really. Jets, not the really Jets right now, the about, Jets are paying. think about uh, this. Think about, think about this. If you're like a middle of the road drafter, where the which the Giants are, like, and when I say that, like middle like middle rounds, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, they're not paying. They're not paying the first overall draft pick twenty million dollars. They're paying a guy two or three two million dollars, two and a half million dollars to play next year. Your first round draft pick. That's what you're paying them. Two and a half million. Second round draft pick gets like a million. A third round draft pick gets like five hundred thousand. How do you think Damian Harris was was liking playing for his okay, five hundred fifty thousand dollars? So, so Jeff, if you have ten million sitting around, and you're trying to bring an offensive. You bring Isaiah Wynn, okay? That's eight million dollars. So you have two million dollars to sign those players. I mean, it doesn't make sense, Jeff. You, you have to make it make sense. You can restructure. Yes, yes, you can spread, spread out that, and, and you can create. I understand that. I understand that. So, understand so, that. so, so you're so what you're telling me mm-hmm. is. Yes. The New Orleans Saints need to fold as a franchise because they're fifty no. million dollars over the cap. Right no, now. they're and, just oh, you're, you're you can't do anything. No, but yet they still could have brought in Derek Carr. Again, they're going to have to do a lot to get Derek Carr. It's not going to be they're not so going to have easy. to do that much. They're I know you say that now. Okay, we'll see. We got plenty of cap room. Um, I disagree. I disagree. 
They're over the cap by what? 37 million, 32 million? I don't know the exact total. I think it was but, 51 now. Oh, 51 million. Yeah. So they have to figure out how that works. Yes, they get 17 million because the NFL uh, cap goes up 17 million. So you take you take 17 uh, out of that. The Rangers score. That sucks. Uh, you take 17 million out of that. So it's still over 30 something million dollars. I, I I still think it's going to be a, a huge reach to get Derek Carr to to resign Derek Carr or bring Derek Carr in and sign him. I, I but, they could, but, but the but the thing the point is that they could and that would have been forty. They could it's going to be very hard. Right, and they that would have been forty million I mean, dollars. So then they would have been ninety million over the cap, right? But oh nope, can't be done. Trust me, if you got fifty million dollars in cap space, you have more than enough money to do whatever it is that you want. By the way, the 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 new rules with the rookie with the Let's rookie. So uh, it, a rookie contract cannot take up twenty five percent of any team salary cap anymore. Mm-hmm. First, first overall pick, uh, four years, forty one point four million. Uh, second overall pick, thirty nine point six million, twenty five point nine signing bonus. Then it, it spans, it drops down a million right, each until it's right, sixteenth overall. Right, but they keep right, right, but they keep going down and down. So, what is the Giants' pick this year? The Giants' pick is twenty twenty five right 25. now. So okay, so how so? Where's the slot money there? You you got the slot chart right in front of you. What's the slot it, money? It would average out to to thirteen point nine million with a signing bonus of eight point two. So right, right, right. So it's so a lot of money, 13, Jeff. So now thir- right. So now thirteen million now divided by four. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is. It's a four year contract. That thirteen million is over four years. So what is that? So that would be four million. Yeah, about four million. That's uh, about four million. Yeah, a little no, over. it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. It would be. Three. Oh no, it's about three million. No, it's, it's like three point right. four million. It's yeah. four years, right? right? Yeah, but three point right. four each, million each is fourteen year. years. Each year, three. So it's three million. million. So right. So it's three million for three and a half million or whatever it is. Oh, there's the bulk of it, and then your second round draft pick, he gets like a million. Okay. Oh, that's but this right? is. But and this then is... your third round draft pick, and then like. But that's not like Jeff. That's not the argument. Jeff, that's no, not that the argument. Like, no, no, it isn't. That is the argument because I told you it's like $6 million to sign all of your draft picks, which turns out this what? Check it. Okay. Okay. I'll all tell right. you what, there's Jeff. Also, though, there's I'll also going to be signing incentives, too, now with performance-based things like the, like the, like baseball just had in their new rule changes to win awards. But those so. performance-based things, Speedy, this is this is why talking to you hurts my fucking brain. Stop those performance based those performance based bonuses would be for the next year to bring in draft picks who haven't done a thing who have no performance bonuses. It's like six million dollars. Okay, but that so doesn't maybe, mean it can't so, hurt so the maybe, Daniel Jones contract right, so, potentially right. or Dexter no, no, Lawrence. No, 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 no. It means like your seventh round draft pick that you're paying a half a million dollars can get like another half a million dollars like going forward. So maybe it would affect years going forward for that person, but it won't affect when you first bring them in. It's six million dollars for all your draft picks, basically. All right, but again, it doesn't mean it can't impact a long term contract with a Daniel Jones or a Dexter Lawrence. Like how whoever much they money? Don't sign. How much money are the Giants? Uh, when it comes to the cap, where, where are they? At? Forty-six. Forty-six million. Okay, they got to give De- Dexter Lawrence. They have to give Daniel Jones like thirty-eight, forty million. And, and yes, you can you can reconstruct some contracts. You could, yeah. but but all in all, what are you going to have? Fourteen million dollars to work with. Fifteen million dollars to work with. In th- in the long run. Who are you going to bring in when it comes to free agents, especially those guy, old guys, when you have to pay a quarterback? That's what sucks about paying a quarterback, and that's what hurts so many teams. Look at the Jets. If they, if they, let's say the Jets bring in Derek Carr, okay, they have to drop like four players right. to bring him in. That's a lot. 
That's a lot of players and 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 really good players too. So th- that's that's what you have to do to bring in a quarterback, or that's what you have to do to pay a quarterback. And even though the NFL is going up seventeen, and then year after in two thousand twenty four, because of the Amazon contract, it's going it's going to go up like twenty million for each team. It doesn't really matter because the, your position to have to pay that quarterback, and then next year it, c- it could go up fifty five, sixty million. These right, quarterbacks but it's are right, right, but, right, but it doesn't matter. You end up paying the quarterback because that's a, why I would. You're right, Jeff. They're, they're, I would pay Daniel Jones now. And, and, and B, it's not going to be that bad in the long run because we all, our jaws all collectively hit the floor when we saw four hundred and fifty million dollars for Patrick Mahomes or five hundred million or whatever the escalators yeah. and stuff got it to be right. right. But if, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, think about it. We're already talking about contracts north of forty-five year. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a steal. So pay the quarterback, and when the cap goes up, the contract only looks better and better. Jeff, call back later. Thanks, man. All right, let's go Winnipeg Jets. Hey, this is the one Jets I'm rooting for. Let's do this. Goodbye, Jeff. I mean, honestly. <laughs> He's out of his mind. I wish I was that optimistic as a Giants fan, but it's going to be a lot harder to pull I off mean, than that. I mean, you could be optimistic. I, I mean, mean, how could you sit here? face-wise, yeah, you yeah, definitely can. I, I think... I, I think it makes sense what he is saying, but again, in position, how are you going to bring in all these free agents? Yeah. How are you going to rebuild and reconstruct that offensive line, which is horrible? They got one guy on that offensive line. Right. They're going to have to have some kind of approach where it comes to veteran one-year deals, they gotta, flyer deals. They, they got to make sure that whoever they bring in, even if he's a, a low-bar type of offensive lineman, they get the most they possibly can, can get out of Either him. that or quantity. You want to at least yeah. get like two of them that could be – hopefully one of them hits. Like, yeah. like they did last year you with Feliciano. Lucky. Feliciano was good. Like I, I don't love him at playing center because that's not his true position, but he was good. But you're not going to get an old pro or a pro no. ball player like Justin Pugh, okay, no. who you had and you decided to let go. Yeah, thank you. So, so, I, I mean, it's not that easy. I understand what Jeff's saying, and there's a lot of I, a lot of things he said that make sense if, if you're looking at the big picture. But where the Giants are at and where they're sitting when it comes to the quarterback and the running back, you have to make a decision. I think Jeff's right about this. Daniel Jones has another good year. Daniel Jones is going to be asking for $50 million next year. Yeah. I mean – even though the cap's going up, you have to pay Daniel Jones. He goes from maybe making thirty-five to thirty-eight million, or maybe forty, to about fifty, fifty-two, maybe even fifty-five million. Yeah, yeah, thirty-eight. I think is going to be the ultimate average for both sides. I don't think it, he's asking for forty-five. I don't think that'll end up happening. I think that's a little too much right now. But yeah, maybe that second good year that he has, then you're looking at that as probably a, a starting point for Daniel Jones to be able to go, negotiate that. So if you can do $38 million with four years, you could definitely make that work. And then Saquon, yeah, ideally you would like to franchise tag him uh, in for the $10 million and then be able to re-sign him maybe before the extension uh, deadline. But still, you, 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 Jeff's right. You definitely should explore trading him. I don't know how much value he'll spawn, but maybe, maybe like you said, Miami is definitely an option for him. But if they can at least get him on a deal that's maybe a, a three-year deal on the lower end of the teens, then they might be okay. Jeff Schwartz believes that Kyler Murray will not play with this new head coach, Jonathan Gannon. I don't know what Kyler Murray is thinking. He reminds me of a young, dumb Kyrie Irving, okay? I love Kyler Murray. I respect him as a player. He was one of my favorite players going into the season. He had a really bad playoff against the Rams the year before, and everybody was like, don't pay him. 
Don't give him the money. He's a bust. He's he's a cancer in the locker room. He's no good. They paid him in the offseason. And then he, he starts off talking like a third person, speaks how highly, how high he is. He he. He really didn't take full responsibility of some of the mistakes he made in certain games this year. And a team that I believe was a playoff team going into the season had the talent defensively, uh, an offense that was really obviously Hopkins and and bringing in uh, a Hollywood Brown. I thought being that Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown are good friends, it was going to work. And obviously some of the suspensions hurt them. Uh, with some of their their offensive players, but there is no excuse for Kyler Murray having the season that he had, and and the Arizona Cardinals having the season that they had, and that's why they fired their coach. They gave their coach a three million dollar three million dollar extension in the off season, yeah. as much as they gave Kyler Murray the forty five million dollars, forty two million dollars guaranteed money. Although, well, they gave him guaranteed money. They gave him $42 million a year. 160 guaranteed, though. <laughs> 60, 160 guaranteed, which is the most guaranteed money in NFL history. But Kyler Murray was a bust this year. Now, do I think Kyler Murray is a bust? No. I think he's got a tremendous amount of talent. He's very accurate. He can use his legs. I don't know what happened this year, happened this year, but he stopped using his legs. And then when he started using his legs, he hurt himself. Small quarterbacks don't last in the NFL. They don't. And that's why a lot of people are worried about Bryce Young. Bryce Young is 5'10", 5'11", at best. The guy's not even 195 pounds as a quarterback. People were talking about Zach Wilson. If he was 6'1", 6'2", and he was 215, which that's that was his weight, and he was too small. You have a guy, you have a quarterback that could be 25, 30 pounds less than Zach Wilson. Getting hit from 350-pound linemen. Especially his rookie year. The Cardinals offensive line allowed the most quarterback hits that year. I mean, if you look at Kyler Murray and him opening his mouth about Jonathan Gannon, I don't know what Jonathan Gannon is or what he's going to be as a head coach. I don't know. And what he did in the Super Bowl, his defensive call, play calling was horrible. Especially in the second half. He was horrible. What I do know is that when you look at the big picture and where the, the Arizona Cardinals are, they want to rebuild this team. They, they, ha- they believe that their defense is a player or two away in their secondary where they can be an elite team. They could. It's the offensive side of the ball that they're questioning. Hopkins will be available in free. Uh, not, I'm sorry, in trade talks. We we've heard that he is his name's going to be brought up this offseason. There'll be a lot of teams lining up for a guy like Hopkins. Hopkins. When he did come back from his suspension, he played pretty well. He wasn't great, but he played pretty well. He also missed OTAs and 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 all the stuff in the beginning of the season that he missed because of steroids. But you you you, you you're hearing that Kyler Murray is already speaking, or his his agent, or his his team, his I, I don't know what whatever they call it, his his background team, maybe his family is speaking for him. They're complaining that he doesn't want to play for Jonathan Gannon. After the Cardinals gave you all that money, guarantee one hundred and sixty million dollars, forty two. You're a prima donna. You talked 
you spoke, I'm sorry, that would be the best word, you spoke in a third person all season long. If you go back and you listen to some of his press conferences, he would say, you know, Kyler, you know, needs to do this and Kyler needs to do that. You're Kyler. You need to do it yourself. Yeah, and you need to do it. If you want to overcome adversity, you need to show you could do any sense of leadership. Because remember, all the people criticized you at the beginning of the year for uh, not watching enough film, not holding team meetings, not holding not, not wasn't doing showing leadership. up. He yeah. wasn't showing up to practices. Sometimes people not said. showing leadership when it came to all the adversity. Hopkins injury. Remember, they had other injuries too with their receivers. Rondale Moore was hurt. Zach Ertz got hurt in uh, the. Second month of the season, uh, James Conner was hurt at certain points this year. And th- th- if you're a quarterback like this, that even if your statistics aren't amazing, like you should be able to win some games that way. And it really just didn't show that. I'm not. I wasn't crazy about the hire of Jonathan Gannon as it was, but that doesn't mean you should necessarily speak that sour on it just because Cliff Kingsbury was your guy and they fired him for not being good this year. Eleven games. He was three and eight. With a 66.4 completion percentage, 2,368 yards, 14 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. And this is a guy that got $160 million guaranteed, $42.5 million a year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. This again, is what they're paying him. Yeah, And he's, he's 5'10". He's the same size as, as far as height-wise. Same size as Bryce Young and probably about 20 pounds heavier than Bryce Young. Could you imagine Bryce Young coming into the league looking like uh, Smith? <laughs> um, Devontae Smith, Smith yeah. on Philadelphia right. as a quarterback? Yeah, it's, sometimes we've seen this with this modern, these modern offenses where they can aid it to an extent, but now Jonathan Gannon being a coach and they have a new offensive coordinator, rookie offensive coordinator, are they going to really trust that kind of thing to work with any with any quarterback? Nevertheless, a smaller one like Kyler Murray. And you got to keep in mind, too, that was a non-contact injury with the, t- the torn ACL. And we've seen a lot of players have issues coming back from it right away, too. And for a guy that relies on his speed and his rollout ability, that's what makes him so good as an athletic quarterback, too. How much is that going to take away? You look at somebody like Carson Wentz. Now, Kyler Murray's obviously faster than what Carson Wentz was before he got hurt, but still, that still took away an element in his game when he was a younger player, having two major injuries. And let's not forget, Kyler Murray, that's not his first injury he's had in his career, too. He's had other ones as well. So, it just makes makes no sense the state they're in right now. The Cardinals definitely need to improve in some other areas as a team, no question, but that doesn't mean you should already have sour relationships with your new head coach and your new offensive coordinator. I mean, if you sit here today and you're you're talking and speaking about Kyler Murray opening his mouth and complaining about, obviously, the new coach, a new coaching hire, uh, you want to make your quarterback happy. You want to make sure that your quarterback is excited to go into the season. But the quarterback is not even going they're, – they're saying he's not even going to start the first half of the season no. because he's torn ACL. So what does it matter who the coach is? He's going to have to bring in a veteran quarterback or uh, of some kind, maybe a Ryan Tannehill right. or whatever. They're going to have to bring somebody in, and maybe Kyler Murray isn't the answer. Maybe they bring in Ryan Tannehill. He has a good first half of the season. They say, you know what, Kyler, we don't want you here. You know, Maybe Jonathan Cannon doesn't want you there. And they, they, decide, they decide to move you. Yeah, but at the same time, you look at a contract because he's hurt that you can't even trade right now either if you even wanted to. So Jonathan Gannon doesn't even have that much leverage as it is. And their new GM, which they got from the Titans, yeah, maybe that's the connection with Tannehill. Maybe they do bring him in. But still, as a, as a stopgap, Snug says, says 14-7 and seven isn't awful. 
Yes, it is. For, in yeah. in eleven games, and you're making forty two million dollars and one hundred and sixty million dollars guaranteed, which is the highest in NFL history. Yes, it is awful. Yeah. It's absolutely awful. You're talking about Snug, a seventeen game pace of probably twenty touchdowns and twelve interceptions. If you were average it out for the, his current pace, you should have elite numbers yeah. if you're getting that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Now you're gonna you're going to say every every starting quarterback is going to make that money, not the guarantee money that he's getting. As a matter of fact, Lamar Jackson's not getting. Getting that guarantee money, and that's why he wants out of Baltimore. It makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense right now. If you were Lamar Jackson right now, you're sitting here today, and I, I was an MVP. I, I, I practically made the playoffs every single year, and I was one of the reasons, except one year, I made the playoffs every single year of my career. Won an MVP and was an elite quarterback, top seven quarterback in the league since I've come into the league. And I'm not getting $160 million or $170 million guaranteed like Kyler Murray, who's been in the league less and hasn't done nearly as much. Yeah, I'd be pissed. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson has done it in a tough division, first of all, with the AFC North. Second of all, he's done it with bad wide receiver play, which Kyler Murray, yeah, he's had some years with bad wide receiver play, but never as bad as I the would Ravens. be absolutely pissed. If I saw Kyler Murray make that kind of money, and I'm a better quarterback than he is, yeah. just as much as Deshaun Watson, right. with all the craziness with him, the guaranteed money he got from the Browns after not playing for two years, and this guy never won an MVP. This guy, was, and I think Deshaun Watson, I think highly of him. I think he's a top five quarterback. Before he got hurt, I thought he was a one or two best quarterback in the NFL. But he's been out of the league for two years, and he's, he's made more money and more guaranteed money than Lamar Jackson's been offered by the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. And he's getting over $200 million guaranteed for all the issues he had off the field, and he's going to become the first quarterback to have a $55 million cap hit. The previous high was a $39 million ridiculous. cap hit, which is ridiculous. So the fact that Lamar Jackson can't even sniff like close to $200 million guaranteed is ridiculous. I'm not saying that he's going to give him $200 million guaranteed, but he should at least be ahead of Kyler Murray and Close to that number. You can't sit here today and tell me. And I, I like Kyler Murray. Again, I will come back. I will stick up for Kyler Murray over and over and over again. But I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, you know what? Kyler Murray played 11 games, 14 touchdowns, and seven interceptions, and he threw uh, under 3,000 yards. Am I going to be excited about my quarterback going into the new season? Oh, and by the way, he tore his ACL. I would be disgusted if I was an organization. I was the owner of that team who I bet on Kyler Murray, and I failed. And then Kyler Murray not showing up to practices sometimes or late to practices, not showing up to meetings or late to meetings. I mean, that's that would make me disgruntled. Absolutely. If I was an owner of an organization, if I was the GM of the organization, who, by the way, is no longer there, and either is a coach, Mr. Kingsbury, who's now hanging out in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And it also shows that, too, because the, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, when they came out of the draft, were attached to the hip. And it just shows maybe both of their egos just being so strong. Cliff Kingsbury's gone now. Kyler Murray, obviously, they can't do anything with because he's injured on a... Sorry I'm so <laughs> passionate about this. It, it just annoys me because I feel bad for Lamar Jackson. I do. I feel bad for I mean, you have to at this point. I feel bad for what Baltimore is putting him through. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I was Lamar Jackson, I wouldn't be happy. But he's his own agent. He should have hired his own agent. And I, I understand that he wants to save money and he wants to – he can renegotiate or he can negotiate his own deal. But when you're in position to get that kind of money or make that kind of money because of the player that you are and you can't get it, I would be flush. I need somebody to speak for me. 
And I, I think Lamar Jackson, as good as he is as a speaker on social media, he's not making it's not making him look better as a player by him posting up things on Twitter and then erasing it. It makes him look stupid. Snuck says, nah, it's the cards. They're used to it. But they're not, though, because this was the first quarterback in a while that they actually developed that was homegrown, too. And it seemed like they had something, but there was an issue of injuries. There was an issue of inconsistency. How many years, even when he was healthy, do we say Kyler Murray fell off in the last month of the season sometimes, too? Even in the years where they've made the playoffs, it really hasn't been a lot of him playing at the best of his game. Uh, Snook says an agent that represents himself has a fool for a client. Well, yeah, that, that might be hurting Lamar Jackson. Errol's been saying that for a while. Yeah. That, that's hurt. I Lamar think it's Jackson. definitely hurt him. And Absolutely. Especially when you look at a team like the Ravens that are kind of old school still in their thinking and haven't been able to ad- adjust to like p- paying a quarterback as much as we've seen the league do it right now. He should just have his mom speak for him. Maybe. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I know Donovan McNabb at one point was – his own agent, he had his mom speak for him. Okay. He did, and then he obviously hired an agency when he had his second contract with Philadelphia. But in the beginning, I think he was his own agent at one point, and he had his mom speak for him. Maybe Lamar Jackson have his mom or his pops speak for him, or be you know have somebody actually stand up for him, because him standing up for himself is not getting it done. Mm -hmm. It's just not getting it done. And I can't sit here, if I was Lamar Jackson, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to renegotiate my deal and say, you know what, I did this, 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 and this. And if I played in that playoff game this year, maybe we're in the Super Bowl. You know, I I can't prove that because Lamar Jackson never played in an AFC title game. Right. And the other thing, too, Snug, you bring up a good point, is the fact that those two teams have just been so bad with quarterbacks that they can't afford to botch these kinds of decisions. And Kyler Murray, yeah, he wanted to be paid because he was being immature last year and all the stuff off the field where he wasn't watching film, he wasn't doing uh, showing up to practices like you were saying. There should have been some kind of clause in the contract. If that didn't happen, then you put it in another year, or you don't pay him a lot this year, and then you backload it. You, know, like you have to be able to negotiate in some way where they can keep it like that. And then after that, you have to be able to manage it where you have to be managing through the injuries, too, especially with all the injuries the team had. And same kind of thing with the Ravens, too. Like, trading away his best wide receiver. I, w- I wasn't saying Hollywood Brown was an amazing wide receiver, but he was decent enough where he should have been guy to develop with, not trade him away for a first-round pick which and a, uh, and a third-round pick, which, again, is the only one they have on the team. Gannon said about Kyler Murray, obviously played against Kyler this year, and it's a unique game plan to put together because of his skill set. I used the term, he's a problem to defend because of what he can do, Gannon said. He's a legit problem for the def- for defenses. He has a very unique skill set. That's what I am looking forward to working with, with him and showing him. Hey, this is this is how the defenses are, and this is how the defenses are going to go to stack against you. So Kyler Murray, and, and Gannon knows what he is. He knows what type of player a, a guy like Kyler Murray is, and he, he defended against him. And he defended him by speaking about him at the press conference when he spoke about Kyler Murray. Why Kyler Murray doesn't like him, I don't know. But you, you, sometimes your, your quarterback's not going to get what he wants. Look what Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson didn't like um, the offensive coordinator over there in Baltimore. So they fired him, and they brought in another offensive coordinator. Did they ask Lamar Jackson if he they liked that off he liked that offensive coordinator? Probably not. And that's a smack in his face because he still doesn't have his contract. And then you bring somebody he didn't want. Kyler Murray is a quarterback that is slowly but surely losing his locker room. How many people like Kyler Murray? Right. You know, 
and everything that we've heard through the locker room is they don't like the kid. They a lot. There was somebody on the team that actually came out, a leader of the team that said that the the fact that the Arizona Cardinals gave him that money, it changed him. It changed him as a player. He is a different player. And sometimes it does that. Yeah. Well, after you get that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Especially the quarterbacks. Murray has 13,848 career passing yards, 84 touchdowns, 41 interceptions. Completion percentage, 66.8% of his passes, and 7 yards per attempt under Cliff Kingsbury. The Cardinals finished 4-13 last season, worst in the NFC West, and second worst in the NFC overall. And this is an elite quarterback. This is the money that you guaranteed and set your team back possibly for the next three or four years. You had to fire Kingsbury after giving him the contract extension, after giving your quarterback, your star quarterback, that kind of money because you wanted to make sure that Kyler Murray was happy. And then you heard at the end of the season he didn't like the the, the play calling by Kingsbury. That there was stuff going on, obviously on hard knocks, that they they weren't showing everybody. They fired one coach in New Mexico, and nobody knows why. Yep. They they obviously erased anything that was showing, you know, from the NFL Network. They didn't. I mean, the HBO Network. They did not want to show anybody on why Kingsbury fired him, for whatever reason. There's a huge problem. For the Arizona Cardinals to move forward with with this quarterback. If he doesn't want to be coached by this coach, and he's not going to be back until the second half of the season, then you have to decide what you're going to do with him. Mm-hmm. And there's pressure on both ends. Too. And you're not going to be able to trade him because you have to show another team if he's 100% healthy and he's worth any dime or any kind of uh, you know player that they could trade or draft, draft picks that they could trade for him. And by the way, they still have to pay him. And that's not going to happen this season because that's too small of a sample size to judge because odds are he's only going to come back in November. The Cardinals might be out of it by then, too. Who knows? If they're having to play with Ryan Tannehill or whatever, a quarterback all year, they might be 2-6 and at that point. So they might – even that will be deceiving to an extent because teams are going to play down to them, too. Jalen Ramsey deletes a tweet maybe implying the Rams are looking to trade him. Jalen Ramsey has been a big – talker since he's come into this league. As a matter of fact, he attacked Josh Allen. He was on he was in the GQ magazine yep. and he attacked Josh Allen saying that he's going to be a terrible quarterback in this league. He's one of the worst quarterbacks uh coming out of a draft a draft in the last 5 or 6 years. He said something like that. And he was dead wrong about Josh Allen. Yeah, he was yeah, he was defending Blake Bortles. Oh yeah, Blake Bortles, <laughs> who's no longer in the NFL anymore, and if he is, he's a third or fourth string quarterback that will never step on a field again. The same Blake Bortles that was drafted in the top 5 by the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? The same Jacksonville Jaguars that practically said, "You know what, Jalen, we don't need you anymore. Here, we're going to trade you. We're going to trade you to the Rams and get first round draft picks for you." Gave up on you after you were so-called the best corner in the NFL. Honestly, Jalen Jalen Ramsey has not been the best corner in the NFL for the last two seasons. Two seasons. And for a guy that's only, what, 28 years old? In the prime of his career as a, as a corner. For him to fall off the way he has, for the amount of money that he got, and, how, and the amount of money that the Rams paid him is just ridiculous. And now you're hearing that he wants to go back to Jacksonville. And now you're hearing... 
that Jacksonville might be in- interested in bringing him back. Mm-hmm. Is Jacksonville willing to pay him? Now, they don't have to pay Trevor Lawrence for at least another year because after these contracts and, and with the new Amazon deal, I would try to pay my young quarterback as quick as possible because I don't want to put myself that when, when Trevor Lawrence becomes available, you know, as far as free agency or contract negotiations, well, you're going to have to pay him $70 million a year. Also, Jacksonville has the most money invested in their defense in terms of free agency overall. So either way, they're going to have to lose some other pieces to make it work, too. They, they gave a big contract to Shaq Griffin after he had a good year with Seattle. He had a contract to his teammate, Darius Williams, with the Rams. And he played all right this year, but not great. And Tyson Campbell's been a good young corner that they're going to have to pay down the road or they're going to lose him, too. Responding to the tweet suggesting that the Rams might cut Ramsey, he tweeted, I can promise you I won't get cut. Now trade. Maybe. LOL. That's what he posted up, and then he erased it. Ramsey is set to make $17 million this season and has a team option for 2024 to, be, to release him with dead cap hit of $11.75 million. The Rams are currently $15.7 million over the salary cap in 2023, with Ramsey being one of five players on their roster carrying a cap hit of $20 million. Ramsey had four interceptions uh, and 18 pass deflections, uh, allowing 659 total yards in in coverage and 62.6% of 91 targets to be completed in passes, the third highest of his career. Despite that, uh, despite what was down down year, uh, what was 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 his down year for the, for his standards? Ram Ramsey was still third highest rated corner, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, only to Patrick Sertan and Sauce Gardner. Lions wide receiver uh, St. Brown said, "This is trying uh, in, in trying to pitch Jalen Ramsey to Detroit. I keep seeing these Jalen Ramsey rumors." that the Rams might release him, or however they're going to work. Jalen, if you can hear this, I know you played with the Lions with Lions quarterback Jared Goff before. De- Detroit might seem like a landing spot, my guy. Talk to me, talk to me. That's what he said. But there, there are other people that say that the Vikings, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Patriots have been other teams that are linked to Jalen Ramsey. You know who I think he will wind up going to? The New England Patriots. I think, I, I'm think i thinking the Vikings. That's their biggest need badly, and he has a connection with O'Connell as a coach. So, And now Brian Flores is over there as a defensive coordinator, too. And you're right. He, like, he had a... He had a kind of down year for his standards. He probably was like a top like 15 <coughs> corner, but he, I don't think he was better anything more than that really this year. Maybe top 10, but you, you can't even push it to the top five where he's been his whole career either. So I I like the opportunity there if you want to be able to rebirth it with, with either the Vikings or even the Steelers who have a good defensive system, always have, and have done well in terms of Look at Minka Fitzpatrick this year. Played fantastic. Like yep. trying to mm-hmm. rebirth those types of guys, too. Now, the Patriots you brought up, too. That's definitely a possibility. I don't know if Belichick's going to want that type of player. Why not? I mean, he usually— He's had those players. Not on defense, usually. He's, he tends to go for more of the, I guess you could say, humble defensive players. Like, I would say he's, like his fiery guys are more are, are more offense. Like, he's more of a disciplined defensive guy. But he, his type of corner is that perfect type of corner for, for his system, though. He would fit perfectly like a glove in that defense. 
he would fit like a glove. Now, I don't know if they're going to pay him $17 million a year. Uh, the Patriots, I think they're, they're – their cap hit, their cap is really good this really year. Really good this year, yeah. Yeah, so they have a lot of money. So why not Jalen Ramsey? You bring in a guy like that. And he could change your defense for the better. Now, the, the Patriots' defense all season long was pretty good. I think their their all-around ranking was closer to the top 10, right? Yeah. they were. I think they were 11th overall, and they were 8th against the pass. Right. So th- they were amongst the league's best in almost every single category. So... I mean, you add Jalen Ramsey, that makes you that much better. Now, I don't know if they're willing to pay him $17 million, but it makes a lot of sense. Now, again, my argument to Jalen Ramsey is, is it's not the fact that he's not a good player. As you can see, pro football focus rated him high. But for a guy that's making that kind of money, I think Woolen had a better year than him. He, a rookie guy like that. DJ Reed had a better year than him, honestly. I mean, nobody was throwing against the Jets. I mean, Darius Slate had a better Dar- Darius Slate had a better season than him. Right. I mean, honestly, there are much better corners than than uh, somebody like Jalen Ramsey this year. Yeah, I think I and one of our guests mentioned too. Sometimes Pro Football Focus does rig it where the run run tackling defense will help uh, a bigger corner like that elevate because he he's the best tackling corner in the league for sure. But like you're right, his raw coverage grade was probably on the lower end of the top ten, maybe top fifteen. Would you put Jalen Ramsey in a top five right now in the league? In Honestly, the, um, this skill, year? No, this year no, definitely not. Where would you put him? Um, I would, yeah, like I said, probably ninth, tenth, something like that. That's where year. I would put him. Yeah, I would put him in a top ten. I would put him eight, nine, or ten. That's where I would put him. Yeah, and and, and the fact is, is that he honestly he didn't have a great season. I don't care if he had four interceptions. I don't care. He had a really rough start to the year, and then just kind of played good, but not like Pro Bowl level, All Pro level, like we've seen him do in the past. So yeah, I. Again, skill wise, he's still great, and he's twenty eight years old. So yeah, he's fantastic. I'm not gonna like drop him tonight, like as an overall. Like, no, I trade him. But, Try to get as much no, as course, I possibly absolutely. can. Absolutely. You don't have any draft stock anymore because of him. Right. You traded. You traded away so much draft picks for him and Matthew Stafford, who by, by the way might be back this year, but he might never be a hundred percent ever again. Right. Because of his back injury, so you gave away your future. For them. Mm-hmm. And they also, again, like you said, they have tw- other contracts over $20 million, too. Aaron Donald, obviously, they're not going to get rid of. But they, a Leonard Floyd, who did not have a great year this year. And uh, I think Cooper Cup was the other one who got hurt. So not ideal circumstances for where the Rams are, in addition to uh, overpaying a lot of other guys, too. And before we get into basketball and hockey and some baseball tonight, I, I will say this. The draft, draft, obviously, the combine is coming up, like, in the next two weeks. And we're going to see a lot of these youngsters. Uh, everybody keeps saying this is not going to be a good draft. We heard this last year, okay? We heard that this year was going to be better, much better than it was last year. Now all of a sudden, because of the quarterbacks, uh, Bryce Young wasn't really as good as everybody thought he was going to be this year, a Heisman candidate. And, and C.J. Stroud, who had a better you know, starting of the year, he, I mean, he had, what, four games with six or more touchdowns or something like that? Yeah. Of, of that crazy – his numbers were, like, ridiculous – completely blown away in the in the first half and then kind of fell off and then had that really good, you know, uh, you know, final four game right. against Georgia where he honestly Ohio State should have won. Yeah. And he he had a bad stretch right at the end of the season against some tougher Big 10 competition, but yeah, I think I would say the Georgia performance still kind of cancels that out to probably boost him up there because he also was the only one that wasn't dealing with all the injury issues throughout the year. Bryce Young was dealing with that as was Will Levis. Oh, Will Levis is a guy I think is definitely a quarterback that I would take a chance on. Now, um, there are stories coming out 
from Indianapolis that they're the team that wants to trade up at four yep. to one at, with the Chicago Bears. And obviously, Jim Irsay has, has come out on Twitter and said that he has a good relationship with the Chicago Bears, Chicago Bears for years. What does that tell you? And it's, it's really bad when your owner goes up and talks to the press and, and tells everybody how much they love Bryce Young. You're pretty much giving – you did exactly what Jerry Jones did after the draft. Yep. Giving away your your process of elimination on how you draft. And then you're telling everybody, hey, we really like Bryce Young. If you were the GM of the team, would you like that? Would you like to sit there and say, hey – and I know the GM was probably pissed off, but are you going to go up to Jim Irsay at the, end of the, at the end of that press conference and tell him to shut up? I mean, you get fired one, two, three. Yeah, that's what happens when you have the stubborn old school owners. You're not going to tell Jerry stop. Jones to shut up either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those happens when you have those stubborn old school owners that don't know how to shut up. Shut up. And, but, again, it might even rope them in a situation where they have to trade up one pick in order to just get the guy they want. Look at look what happened with Chicago. Everyone mocks them for trading up one pick to j- take Trubisky. Same kind of thing. Maybe the Colts will have to get into that situation. With Arizona, if they're smart, dupe them into them drafting third. Who knows? I mean, it's embarrassing. And, it, it, again... Jim Irsay came out and said that. Now, with Bryce Young, being that he's five foot ten, some people say he might be five eleven. Okay, he's Kyler Murray's side. He's he's size. He's he's uh, Russell Wilson size. But Russell Wilson, when he came into the league, he was two hundred and ten pounds. Kyler Murray was two hundred and five pounds. They're saying that this kid is one hundred and seventy eight pounds, and he's five foot ten. This kid will get killed. He's the same size and same weight. Well, Devontae Smith is a little bit small. I mean, yeah. he was when he came into the league, he was like 165. But, I mean, you have a quarterback playing the quarterback position in the NFL when you have these bohemoths of men. They're, they're animals at the line of scrimmage where they're trying to kill you and take your head off. And you have these guys trying to go after your legs and your, your lower part of your body. Could you imagine him get hit by a 350-pound defensive tackle? Yeah. Quinn Williams coming at full speed and hitting him? And I Listen, they come from the same program. They probably know each other pretty well. Okay? But he's, I'm sure he's never been hit by Quinn Williams. No. So it, it, it's kind of if, – if you're, if you're drafting at one or two, are you taking a chance with Bryce Young? Because you're taking a big chance and, and putting your, your team and your organization in position to get a quarterback that if he gets hurt, you set your team back for 10 years. Yeah, Look what the Jets are dealing with with Zach Wilson. Yeah, the, the, the Texans and any team that are going to try to trade up to that number one pick from the Bears are going to have to really hope that this body type at the Combine is not going to be <laughs> as bad as it thinks. He is going to have to show his speed. One, he is... Definitely going to have to put up weight. He he he's definitely going to have to go out there at the combine when they weigh you. He is. I, if I was him, I'm eating spaghetti. I'm eating a lot of protein. I'm making sure before the combine, I'm jacking myself up to like 190, 195 pounds. If I expect to be a top three pick, and then put up the numbers that everybody expects you to do running the running, you know, at, at, in the forty, and doing everything. You know, showing everybody your arm strength and all the abilities that you have with the accuracy uh, on that field. Because if you don't, it's going to hurt you. Because Levis is 230 pounds. 
He's six foot six, six foot five, prototypical quarterback. Now he doesn't have the ability of seeing the field like a Bryce Young or right. a CJ Stroud does, but talent wise, arm talent wise, he's got the best arm talent in in this in this. In this draft. And he still is good to mobility, too. So, Levis, arm talent-wise, is definitely going to get elevated because of his size. Look at Richardson. People strength. are saying that Richardson could be a top-ten pick. Yeah, I've heard that, Which too. Which is crazy. I, I'm a little skeptical of that still, just because I think he's very raw with it's his very arm talent. Raw. Yeah. Now, if they sit him on the bench, if Carolina drafts him, which that's where a lot of people are predicting where Carolina is going, okay. if they can't get Will Levis, they have to sit him on the bench for at least two years. Because... He is still at least two years away. And this is what the Jets needed to do with Zach Wilson. They made the mistake. Maybe, they yeah. started him. Maybe that's a too team. quick. Maybe that's a maybe that's a situation where maybe a team like Seattle they bring back Geno Smith for two more years and then they draft him to develop it like seventeen or eighteen if he falls there. I, I it would be a mistake. I think the draft. I don't think so 10. because right now Geno Smith is what thirty years old. You can right now have Geno Smith for the next. I don't know how old he is. I think he's thirty thirty one. He's around the same age as Derek Carr. You could give Geno Smith a five-year deal. You don't really 32. need 32. He's 32. So he's the same age as Derek Carr. Yeah. You could give Geno Smith five years. You don't really need to go after a quarterback right now. No, I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying now, that, that the question the is makes sense. Being that Seattle is as good as they are right now this year and, and getting a high draft pick that they had from the Broncos, are you ever going to be drafting in the top ten again for the next couple of years? That's where Seattle needs to decide if it, it's best to draft a quarterback now and not wait for a couple of years because you don't want to sit your team back. Maybe you draft your quarterback like Levis, have him sit the bench of Geno Smith for the next two years, let him learn the offense, and then bring him in, and then you have the quarterback of the future. So Seattle has to make a diff- you know, make a, a decision, but Seattle might be one or two young players away from getting them over the hump. They were in the playoffs this year. Yeah. They bring in a pass rusher. A, a consistent pass rusher to this defense, they could be really, really scary. Yeah, and you already have a team that had a, a, a formidable offensive line, too, which is a big weakness for them at the end of Russell Wilson's career, too. So a lot of key positions are in place. That Yeah, they definitely need more on the defensive definitely side Definitely the do. They uh, need a defensive – they need some defensive line help. Yeah, That's what they, they, need. Need, they need a lot in their front seven. Now, they drafted, they drafted edge rushers each of the last three drafts, but those are all second-round picks that have kind of been more second- and third-tier type pass rushers. Uchenna Nwosu, they brought in a free agent from the Chargers was good, but again, I don't know if you still trust him as a number one type pass rusher. I think the best pass rusher in this draft is Carter. Okay, and Seattle, I think From Georgia, yeah, and I think that they could afford to be able to even they could afford to be even able to do that confidently because they don't need as much on offense. We've seen a couple of mock drafts where the tackles have been ahead of a lot of these defensive linemen too, and it, as a result, some of the edge rushers have fallen too. And also, we've seen Seattle as well, even especially if one of those quarterbacks are available still, let's say Levis available at five. We've seen them trade back a lot in the first round. Absolutely. Don't be surprised if they do try to do that again, too. Trade back to 11. I can see the Jets doing that yeah, at 13. Trade back to 11 or something like that. They still get maybe the Texas Tech pass rusher who's pretty good and then get a lot of other things. How about their defense, too? A, a lot of draft pick, which they do draft well late in the draft. There drafts. were stories coming out that Chicago could trade down to two and then trade, trade down from two to four. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm hearing. And Chicago could really, really win in this yeah. in this draft. They could still get the defensive lineman that they want or somebody where they or an offensive lineman. Yeah, they're getting a defensive lineman. That's where they're going. They're either going to get Will Anderson or Carter. That's where they no matter what. That's where they're what they're looking at. So okay. if they trade down from two and then trade down from two to four, they could get like four first round draft picks. 
after after trading you know trading down to get Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future of this team. Yeah. They have to figure out how to teach him how to throw the ball and 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 make him feel confident. Maybe get him some weapons that he could throw the ball. Yeah. You know, so that's where I think they should be looking for in, in this draft is looking for offensive wide receiving help. Chicago, but they can really change their organization for the better. You know, if they trade down two spots, mm-hmm. they could really put themselves in great position. Very creative if they could pull that off. Uh, they could get themselves you four or five first yeah. round draft picks. You don't see teams drafting that early. You trade back twice. Yourself. Why not? Yeah. If they I, a, I agree with you. It makes being sense. that they have a quarterback right now in hand, and they're they're they need defense, they need offense, they need everything. They might as well you know gain as much. You know, draft stock as you possibly can, mm-hmm. and still get the player that you want, and, and still draft in the top five, and especially offensive line. So they desperately need. And being that this is really three quarterbacks, this is a cre- three quarterback draft. That's what everybody's saying. Now Richardson could be a quarterback, or it could be a future star in this league, but he is still very raw. And I wouldn't take a chance if I was an organization drafting in the top ten. That's why Frank Wright and the Carolina Panthers are going to have to do their due uh, diligently and and make sure. Re- they reach out to Derek Carr and they sit down with Derek Carr and make sure that Derek Carr has no interest in going there. Right. Because if he does, you can put yourself in position. You could still draft a quarterback and have them have this young quarterback sit behind Derek Carr for the next three or four years, like Jordan Love did under Aaron Rodgers. And now Jordan Love might could become a star this year, being that if Aaron Rodgers is no longer with the Green Bay Packers. Right, and also depending on the length of Carr's contract too, they could build up the other things they need, which are the key positions to help out their quarterback. So, mm-hmm. which could help a rookie quarterback say twenty twenty. Six or something like that. That Frank Reich will get to pick. Let's say Derek Carr signs a three-year deal with the Panthers, worth worth whatever forty million. Then they have time to build up everything else to get in there. Because right now, DJ Moore is really their only consistent wide receiver. Terrence Marshall, I like as a talent, but he's been in and out with injuries. He's kind of a hybrid wide receiver tight end. And they just traded Christian McCaffrey, which doesn't help either. Now, their offensive line it did improve better in the second half, especially run blocking wise. But again, they still have some holes there. They could definitely fill more too. I, I think there's a lot of, you know, afterthought on what a lot of these, you know, teams in the draft could do. And 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 to me, the team that's holding the flag and holding everything is the Chicago Bears. Yep. They're the ones that are holding the golden ticket. And they can give any one of these teams the golden ticket or two of these teams the golden ticket to get the quarterback that they want. And they could be sitting pretty at four getting Will Anderson or Carter or any of these guys, elite pass rushers. Oh, yeah. So, and they also have $104 million in caps. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And, and they should absolutely use it in every kind of way. You can really change this team around this offseason. You, you really could. You could bring in the defense, give them some weapons, add some offensive line help. I, I mean, you might not be a contender this year, but you'll be – a borderline playoff team, the being that the NFC is so weak. And if Aaron Rodgers leaves and Jordan Love isn't the guy that everybody thought he was going to be, I mean, Chicago could win the division. Mm-hmm. They really could win the division. Because I don't know if the Lions are going to have another good year. And they, they have to prove it. Right. They have to prove it again. They were a game away from making the, the, the playoffs this year. They fell short. Uh, they they fell short because of you know the last two games of the season. Yeah, allowing 245 rushing yards or whatever it was to the Panthers. And they beat the Green Bay Packers, so right. they did what they needed to do to keep the Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs. But they, they were two games away from making the playoffs. They yeah. they made a couple of bad mistakes, a la a lot of teams, and that's why they didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook expected to sign with the Clippers after the Jazz buy out his contract. He's averaging close to 17 points a game. 
He could give you about six to seven rebounds a game for a guard. That gives you a quality guard that can give you the rebounds. And he'll probably give you about five, six assists a game if he plays enough. The problem with Russell Westbrook, if you if if, if when the Clippers sign him, is you have two guys that demand the ball. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. PG thirteen and Kawhi, who I think is slowly but surely coming back to his talent itself, where he he's an elite player again. It took him a while, it took him almost half the season, but Kawhi is right there. And you're going into the playoffs, and the Clippers right now is one of the top five teams right now in the Western Conference. Russell Westbrook did not work out for the L.A. Lakers. He did not. After he was traded to the Jazz, they decided to buy out his contract. Westbrook is set to make $47 million, million on this buyout. So he's going to make $47 million free and clear. And he could decide wherever he goes and then sign a contract, a one-year contract with whoever he decides to go with, which it seems like it's the Clippers. Russell Westbrook was teammates with Paul George for two seasons at OKC, both of which they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Westbrook this season is averaging close to 16 points per game, 6.2 rebounds a game, and 7.5 assists per game, shooting just 41.7% field goal percentage and 65.5 free throw percentage. In two years playing with Paul George from 2017 and 2019, Westbrook averaged a triple-double with 24.2 points per game, 10.5 rebounds per game, and 10.5 assists per game, averaging uh, game on, uh, game in, uh, you know, 44% shooting for a field goal percentage and 70.1 from the free throw line. In two seasons with Westbrook, Paul George averaged 25 points per game, 6.9 rebounds per game, and 3.7 uh, assists per game. With the acquisition of Russell Westbrook, the Clippers now have four players averaging four assists per game. Westbrook, George, Eric Gordon, and Kawhi Leonard. When you look at the Supermax that they're paying, they're paying Supermax contracts to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Leonard, which both contracts are worth about $42 million a year. And six players are making $10 million this season. While still having to pay um, now a traded John Wall $6.5 million. Now they have one of the richest owners. I don't think he cares about the money. I don't. For all the money they've invested into this team. They're 33 and 28. Do you know that the New York Knicks have a better record than the Clippers? Yep. The New York Knicks. The Knicks don't have... Two max players making $42 million a year. They're in the Western Conference. They're the number two seed. I mean, number four seed. If the, if the Knicks were in the Western Conference, they'd be the number two seed or be the number three seed. And with the Suns and the Mavericks making the trade that they made at the trade deadline, how long are they going to sit in fourth place? Phoenix is going to be legitimately better. Mm -hmm. 
And the Mavericks, they've played better since Ky- Kyrie Irving's gone there. They lost Jalen Brunson. Obviously, they know they made a mistake. Yeah. Kyrie Irving's a better player. He is a better all-around player. Kyrie Irving, and I'll say it again, Kyrie Irving is the best point guard in the NBA when he shuts his mouth. There's nobody better than him. I'm sorry. Nobody can handle the ball like him. Nobody can shoot at the point guard position like him except Steph Curry. He's the only one. Okay? He could go to the hole at will and nobody can stop him. Nobody. He goes to the free throw line more than any guard in the league. That says a lot about Kyrie Irving. He could do anything. And now you're playing with Luka Doncic, who, out of his position, could do anything. Could they be dominant? The problem with the West is it's top-heavy. Denver's good. Phoenix is good. The Grizzlies are good. you got to go through those teams. Just, just as good as LeBron James is having the season that he has, the Lakers, what, 10th seed? Yeah, and, and the Lakers, I think... Anthony Davis is done. I, I think they, they have to decide to trade him if they don't decide in the offseason to trade LeBron James. Yeah, the, like the Lakers can still make it. Like they're only like three back of the play-in team. But they'll make the playoffs. They'll make it, but again, you don't, you don't want players that old playing all the extra games. I, I mean, when you think of the West, there's nothing that really stands out of the West. And Russell Westbrook going to the L.A. Clippers, does it make a big difference? It didn't make a big difference when he went to the Lakers. He went to play with Anthony Davis, who's one of the top four big men in the league. Yep. And LeBron James, arguably the best player in the world. You can argue that he's he's not the Greek freak. He's not Embiid right now. He's not Jokic, because those are all big men. They're, they're, they're fantastic big men, talented big men. I would say LeBron James is sixth or seventh best player in the league. Kevin Durant's probably better than him. Tatum right now is better than him. Then after that, I would put LeBron James. I would take LeBron James over Luka Doncic. The season that LeBron James is having is ridiculous. Again, as good as LeBron James is, being that the whole Western Conference is so top-heavy, the Lakers, are. if they make the playoffs, they're probably... They're probably going to be eliminated in the first round. Yeah, like I said, they're not uh, suited for uh, being an older team, suited to go the distance if they have to be a play-in team, too. And I know the West between 3 and 13 is still tight. Like I think the Kings are the three seed, and they are only up by like six games with the Lakers or something like that. But still, that's, that's a lot of teams you got to pass still. So it's most likely the Lakers, I would say, are like a 9 if they do get in because they still have to surpass a lot of different teams. Right now the Lakers are 13th. They're 27 and 32. Yeah. They're 10 teams make it, right? 10 teams make it, yep. 10 teams make it. They are about a half a game, a game and a half out of a playoff spot. Okay. I think the Thunder were in the 10 spot last time I checked. Because they they're were. 27 and 32, so I would say game and a half, two okay. games. I would say game and a half. Yeah, and I also don't expect a lot of, the, a lot of these other Western Conference teams to struggle as badly as they have in the se- the second half slash the middle of the season. Like, we've seen the Pelicans kind of hit a slump. They were the number one seed in the West for the first two months, and all of a sudden they've hit a slump when they're now a play-in team. But I don't expect them to stay that bad forever, too. And same kind of thing. 
And you look at the same kind of thing now with the Mavericks, like you were saying, too. Like, they should get a spark now with Kyrie Irving if he's on the court, too. They already like, have. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're the sixth seed, and Phoenix is the fifth seed. They're both, like, a game off from one another. Right. And I think when, when Kevin Durant actually starts to play, this is when Phoenix will start pulling away from the leading board. I, I They'll pull away from the Clippers. They'll pull away from Sacramento. Right. It, it's amazing what Sacramento's doing this year. And that's because of the way they built this team. And De'Aaron Fox is becoming a superstar, super superstar. You see, and, and you heard LeBron James at the All-Star game. He's the fastest player from, from, from one side to the other. There's nobody faster than De'Aaron Fox. And, and we argued over the years it was Russell Westbrook. Right. But it's not Russell Westbrook anymore. It's De'Aaron Fox. He's a... I think a better version of Russell Westbrook because he could shoot De'Aaron Fox. So, and what they have, Sabonis, I mean, this is a good team, a good young team. And they have the draft stock too. OKC too. They're, they're, they're the 10 seed right now. They're the final seed. They're the final playoff team. OKC in the next three or four years, could you imagine what OKC is going to be yeah. with all their first round? They have like 15 first round draft picks. Right, and they also don't have any max contracts that I – I don't think they have any max contracts on their roster. If they do, it's a, they, they bought them out and it's players – or it's players they don't play much either. Most of the guys that they have right now are their rookies that are and their young players that are striving. And same kind of thing with the Kings too. Like we criticize them for the Sabonis trade because all the young players have given up. But they made it work so far with their draft this year. It's, it's pretty crazy. It really is. And the Western Conference, is, it's still very open. I mean, Denver's 41-18, and 18, and they're having a great season. They're a great home team. They're, they're probably the best home team in the NBA. Yeah. They're, they're almost unbeatable on their court. And that, that's the advantage they have. That's why they want home field advantage. And that's why Phoenix did what they did at the trade deadline. Even though they're, what, nine and a half games out of first place, they could get really, really hot. Mm-hmm. They can win 11 games in a row. If Denver loses five, six games, you know, in their next 10 or next set, next 11, you're cutting it down to like six and a half. And then you could get, you can move up to that second seed. And then you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. Even the three seeds. Still, the three seeds have won the last two NBA championships, the Bucks and the Warriors. Yeah. Three seeds. So the Suns just need to be the most talented three seed, and they can they can make it work. And I, I think when they, when you look at the Clippers, and I look at their roster, their their roster is pretty good. I don't like Tyrone Lue. Okay, yeah, I, I never liked him. I never liked him as a coach. I think LeBron James made him when he won a title with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He did. He did. He made him. Absolutely. Uh, he made him. Okay. He he really did. Poor David Blatt. <laughs> Poor David Blatt. <laughs> But when you when you look at this team, this team has a lot of depth. Marcus Morris, I we all remember him as a New York Nick. Eric Gordon bringing him in, a, a veteran player that can defend multiple, and he's a great shooter. Paul George, Terrence Mann, Jason Preston, Robert Co- Covington. We, he's been traded around so yeah. many times mm-hmm. uh, from Philadelphia to all the different teams he played for. Norman Powell. I mean, this is. I mean, depth wise, Zubak, who play, played for the Lakers. I mean, Mason Plumlee. This is a good roster. Nicholas ba- Batum, who's a very good defender, a veteran player. They they have a good roster. Now you add Russell Westbrook. D- does that make them much better? First of all, you're taking you're taking guys off the off the court because you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to play Russell Westbrook, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean. You bring in Eric Gordon. He's a three-point, you know, specialist. That's what he does. He's a good three-point shooter. He could defend multiple positions. What is Russell Westbrook good at? Ball hogging. <laughs> Honestly, what is he good at? 
Well, yeah. He doesn't defend. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been the same defender, and he's also incredibly inefficient, too, the last three years. I don't care if he's close with PG-13. Kawhi Leonard and PG-13 are the two best at that position at defending. They are. So what are they going to do? They're going to hide the deficiencies of Russell Westbrook on, on the basketball court in the playoffs? Yeah, they can't could, do that. It, it becomes a half-court game in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, well, you could rotate Eric Gordon on every basis defensive player either because he's older, too. So. If you look at Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant became a better defender over the years. He was an offensive player, and he had to change his right. game to become a better defensive player. Yeah, you would think somebody for his size would be able to be as good as a defensive player with his with his length too. And he, yeah, right, yeah, that's a tough time developing it. And I, Jeff says Sacramento will win the title before the Knicks. I'm not even talking about that. Why are we even speaking about the Knicks? We haven't even brought the Knicks up yet. It seems like that's the problem with a lot of these fans and a lot of people that speak about this. They always they always bring up the Jets. They always bring up the Knicks and the Islanders. We're not even speaking about them. When we get to the Knicks, you can say whatever you want about them. And for you to take shots at the Knicks, Jeff, it, shame on you because the Knicks are playing good basketball right now. They are. But again, we're, we're going back to this Russell Westbrook thing. Is it really stand out to me? Is it a good move by? By somebody like the the L.A. Clippers to take a take a shot with him, I think it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the chemistry of this Clippers team. I think it will affect the chemistry. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers get eliminated in the first round. Yeah, especially if they play have to play the Suns. If they're let's say it's four or five, that's the matchup. They got to play the Suns, or yeah, or maybe even the Mavericks too, because we've seen Luka Doncic be clinical in the playoffs too. It doesn't make any sense. Throughout the league, I, I, again, if, if, if you want me to get into the Knicks and you want me to see what, what's going to happen in the second half, the, the, the East is so – it's crazy. Yeah. Right now, the East, if you look at the Eastern Conference right now, from really Miami to Boston, they're all about 10 games from each other. All of them. Celtic, the Celtics right now are 42 and 17. Milwaukee's 41 and 17. The, the, the Philadelphia 76ers are 38 and 19. Cleveland's 38 and 23. Brooklyn is 34 and 24. We all know they're <laughs> yeah. going to fall down. <laughs> yep, they're going down. They're Don't going worry. down. They're falling down the list. It's really New York and Miami. Miami's 32 and 27. The Knicks are 33 and 27 going to the second half of the, of the season. There's about, about 28, 27 games left. For both, you know, the Miami Miami Heat and Knicks. If you look at where both these teams are, they have a chance to catch the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't trust the 76ers. Cleveland, they're, they're a good all-around team. They play good defense, team defense. They have good stars in Garland and Donovan Mitchell, and they have some good youngsters. They're good, and they're well built coached, very well too. and very well coached. Mm-hmm. They're, and they're young, and they could go up and down the court, and they'll be able to, you know— to compete with all the older veteran teams. Philadelphia is more they have some good young they have some young players but they're a veteran team. Right. And Joel Embiid's having a, a fantastic year. He's 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 one of the best players in the league. We all know what Joel Embiid is. We know what they the talent that Philadelphia has on this roster. I don't trust Doc Rivers. Tobias Harris is one of the most overrated Overpaid players in the NBA. Yeah, he's like, and he's from Huntington, Long Island. He's horrible. Okay? James Harden, 
He's a great player. Numbers-wise, he's having a great season. There's no He's not having the season that he had when he was on Houston, but he averaged 21 points, 6 rebounds, and 10 assists. He, he's having a good season. But he's a terrible playoff player. Just wait till he's the third option in the playoffs again, like last year. Maxi has been their best second option. He's a great young player. He really is. He's a fantastic young player. The problem with Maxi is, is it going to hurt, stun his growth playing with James Harden? I don't know. We don't know yet. Maxi was the number two option in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Now they traded. They traded for D'Anthony Melton, who helped us, who helped them take off the point guard duty off of Maxi fully as much, where he's getting some reps. So hopefully that doesn't wear him out too much. But still, the Sixers, their question is always depth, and the other question they always have too is Embiid actually going to be healthy? So because he's always hurt. What did you think about Matt McClung? Yeah, that was something. I, I I was surprised, too, because McClung wasn't that type of player in college. When he peaked in college, he was more of a shooter. He could ball handle, but he could he, he was could definitely dunk, more man. of a shooter. But he could dunk, I, I, they were, he, That was impressive. What he it really together. was. One of, it, it, he, he had no challenges. Honestly, it was unbelievable what he did. The display, the dunks that he had in that game. He, I mean, in that slam dunk contest was fantastic. Yeah. He was fantastic. Caught he really me off was. guard, for sure. Well, absolutely. I yeah. thought... It, you know, everybody was talking about Sims winning it and this guy winning and that. Nobody said the six foot two white boy. Okay, nobody. Right, and a lot of times when you see it, it's like a, when you're thinking it's it's if any wing player or like a shooting guard type is going to win this dunk contest. It's got to be somebody with that kind of vertical leap or that kind of driving to the hoop ability. That's not even McClung's game normally either. Like, I mean, the dunks were he, ridiculous in the few minutes he's played this year for the Sixers. He's been just a shooting type. He was signed for what two weeks by Philadelphia yeah, before the undrafted free contest? agent. Yeah, he was undrafted, undrafted free agent his rookie year, and then I think he was played, impressive. Yeah, he's played three years in the league now, and really just bumped around as a role player. But again, he's a shooter. He's not known for that. If he's anything, as far as the the Celtics right now, the Celtics are a top three team in the NBA. Uh, they have Jason Tatum, who's right now up for MVP. He's not going to win it, guys. I don't care what Jeff says. Jokic is going to win the MVP. He's going to win it again. What he's doing with the Denver Nuggets, I I don't see Jason Tatum winning it. Now, he's having a fantastic year in the All-Star game. Did he win the MVP? I think he did. Yes, he did. I expected him to win the MVP. I I actually called it. And you called Damian Lillard. Yes, I did. Three-point contest. Yes, I did. I picked Jason Tatum to win the the MVP of the All-Star game. I did. If you listen to the show, I did. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also said that Damian Lillard was going to win the three-point contest. But I'll tell you this. This team, they're, they're really good. Okay, They're built very well. And I expect them in the second half to play at their talent. The, what scares me about the Celtics right now is I don't think we've seen the best of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. I don't think we've seen the best of them. I think they're much better than the, their record shows. And they're only one game behind the Celtics. I think the Milwaukee Bucks, when they play at the top level of the, their game, uh, I think they're unbeatable. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody that could beat them in the NBA. You're getting double-digit point production from both Bobby Portis, who's, I think, at 14 points a game. And, yeah, Grayson Allen is at, like, 13 points a game this year, too. Like, you're getting that along with Giannis and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez. Yeah, that's a lot to trust. And now you get Middleton back, so, for the, about a month now, and he's been great. I, I mean, they have a lot of size to the Celtics. There's no question that they do. They play very good team defense. We all know that's what they do. Uh, they have the point, point guard play. Marcus Smart has not been 100% healthy this year. He 
he will be back and he, he'll be a big part of their 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 playoff run and defensively at the guard position. He is one of the best defenders at the guard position. AK defensive player of the year. Yes, Jeff. You want to brag about it. Brogdon was their big pickup in the offseason. He has been. Has he had a good season as a guy that they expected a lot more from Malcolm Brogdon? They did. Now, obviously, 14.7 points a game, four rebounds, and three assists. It's not bad. I mean, especially while they like to use their guard. Their guards, uh, they, they, they bring the ball up with Jalen Brown. They bring the ball up with Jason Tatum. They don't even really give it to the point guards, usually, to bring the ball up when you watch the Celtics. They do, but they, 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 they like their, their stars bring the ball up a lot. Right. Now, Brogdon isn't also a volume shooter either, so he's not going to get the potent scoring as much either, especially with the year Tatum side, where he's had a 30 points a game. But, but he does lead the league in three-point percentage. I love their coach. 45.5%. I love the, the Celtics' new coach. Man. Mazula. Yeah, he has been fantastic. He really has. And he's a different type of coach, but you see the team. They, they, they play for him, and they're playing great basketball. Even in the last, what, five or six games, they've played very well. And And... And I, I think the Celtics are a dangerous team. I'm not saying they're not the best team in the East. They could be. But I think Milwaukee, we haven't seen the best of Milwaukee yet. Mm-hmm. I don't. And I, and I think Cleveland, because they're so young, they can keep up with anybody. They're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee is a dangerous team. I mean, I'm sorry. Cleveland is a dangerous team. The big thing for them is which playoff Donovan Mitchell will you get. That's and Garland. Yeah. How healthy is he? True. I mean, he's been dealing with the, the thumb injury all season long. He's been on my fantasy team. He can't stay healthy. Yeah. Because Mitchell, going back to that, we've seen him blossom the first three years in the playoffs with Utah. And they were beating teams that they had way less talent than. The Clippers a couple times. The OKC, we mentioned Paul George and Russell Westbrook. They beat them in 2017. But ever since they kind of taken over that role when they were a top three seed in the West a lot, he's crumbled a lot. So which end of it are you going to get in Cleveland? That's definitely the question that only the Celtics or or Cleveland, you know, me talking about the Celtics, Speedy talking about Cleveland, only the only the only way we're going to see that these teams are going to get to that that edge where I believe Milwaukee is right now. I, I think Milwaukee is expected to go to the Eastern Conference Championship this year. And and what the Celtics did, they went to the finals last year. Everybody's sitting there. The Celtics. Some people think the Celtics are the team to beat. Milwaukee wasn't one hundred percent right going into the playoffs last year. And some people believe that Milwaukee would have beaten the Celtics. In a seven-game series, if they at, they were at full strength, so I mean, I, I'm I'm expected the Celtics versus Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what I'm expecting, but that doesn't usually happen. I mean, in the NBA, it does, but I, I still think Cleveland's a dangerous team. I I I'm not I'm surprised that Miami is 32 and 27. Yeah, they're they're a much better team. Then they, they they show. I mean, they have a better they have a good coach. They got a good GM. I, I I mean, I'm surprised Miami right now is struggling. Finally, the bad contracts have hurt them a little bit. We're waiting for that moment where they've been over they able to overcome it last year for a while. But ever since the end of the playoffs, where they really started to struggle offensively, it's kind of carried into this year more. Because even in the Sixer series where they won that series pretty easily, they still had a couple games where they had under 100 points in those yep. the, in that in that series. Mm-hmm. With the Sixers having the injuries they had too with Embiid and some of the depth pieces that they had. As far as the Knicks are concerned, it's all gravy for them right now. It really is. Their home record has to get better. Right. They're a good road team. 
They're 17 and 12 on the road. They're home. They're 16 and 15. That doesn't cut it. You have to use your home court advantage if you want to be an elite team in this NBA. Look at the Celtics. The Celtics are 24 and 24 and 7 at home. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 24 and 5. Look at look at Philadelphia. They're 23 and 8. Look at Cleveland, 25 and 6. Even the Nets are 18 and 11. But the Knicks are probably the worst home team besides the Hornets and the Detroit Pistons and Orlando in the Eastern Conference. Yikes. The only thing that's holding them up was is the fact that they're a good away team. They really are. 17 and 12, which is amongst the Eastern Conference best. And you're going to have to play away if you're a 6 or a 5th seed in the in the playoffs. Because you're not going to get if you're not a top four team, you're not getting home full, home home court advantage. Yeah, you have to hope it's a, maybe a city that's going to be a lot of pressure on that home team. I think the Sixers would be the most ideal for the Knicks if they could get that kind of thing. As far as some of the players, I want to see more Obi Toppin. I want to see some of these younger players play. Josh Hart was a great acquisition. He was. He was a very good acquisition. I don't want him to play and take away minutes from Quentin Grimes. I want to see the development of this kid. You didn't want to trade him for Donovan Mitchell. You didn't want to trade him. You didn't want to trade him for Levine. I heard you didn't even want to trade him for Zach Levine. But then you bring in Josh Hart and you're taking the minutes away from this kid. How do you know what you have with this kid if he's not playing? You saw him in the the rookie challenge, uh, the rookie um, basketball game for the All-Star game. What do they call that? The All-Star showcase, rookie? I think rookie? The showcase rookie, rookie whatever. He was, he, he, I think he scored more points than any rookie. He didn't win. He didn't win the MVP because his team didn't win. I think he scored like 14, 15 points. Quentin Rhymes is a good player. Quentin Grimes. I don't call him Quentin, Quentin Rhymes, but he's Quentin Grimes. Maybe he should rhyme. Maybe maybe that'll help him. I don't know. I don't know. That might that might still not. I mean, Dame Lillard rhymes. Yeah, that might not keep Tom Thibodeau from playing. Dame Dime, <laughs> three point champion. Dame Dime. Yeah, which uh, well deserved too, because he's one of the better, more underrated shooters in the NBA. He oh, really has is. been for a while. He has some incredible range. He really does. And Quentin Grimes. I mean, a lot a lot of people were comparing him to shooters like that coming out of the draft too. So hopefully, he can get that chance to still play a lot. Because yeah, the starting formality. I think when it comes to the Knicks distribution, the way it could be is. With the depth that they have, he still should get more minutes, even if he's not necessarily what in sucks the starting is, lineup. What what sucks is right now is your number one guy is Julius Randle. Your number two guy yeah. is Jalen Brunson. Your number three guy is R.J. Barrett. Okay? And now, when you look at this roster, who's your number four guy? Josh Hart? Are you going to really depend on giving Josh? Because Josh Hart, he's played for the Knicks right now. He's played in four games as a New York Knick. And he has one game with 27 points. Right. That means he's shooting the ball way too much. Josh Hart is not a shooter. He's more of a rebounder slash defensive player. That's why you brought him in. He is the prototypical defensive player that Thibodeau likes. That's what he likes. Right. They brought him in, obviously, to make Jalen Brunson happy. It's one of his better friends. They play basketball in, uh, with uh, Villanova together. They won a national championship together. But Mitchell Robinson is a big, big piece. If they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to make a run. 
They need the big man to be healthy. They need the big man to be there defending or their their middleman stopper. They don't have anybody. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Knicks' defensive numbers since he's been hurt, they're good team team wise. Single digit wise, they're not. No, not inside. They're inside. They're they're bottom. But they're good in the league. They're, Overall, they're yes. not bad because their shooting percentage defense and their perimeter defenses have been pretty good this year. And that's been an adjustment with the system uh, that Thibodeau has done with the younger players, too, even improving defensively, too. Guys like Quigley, guys like Grimes, guys like that playing better RJ defense Barrett. this year. R.J. Barrett. R.J. Yeah. Barrett is one of the better defenders at his position in the whole league. Mm-hmm. And he's become that because of, you know, Thibodeau. Yep. Tom Thibodeau preaches defense, and we've seen this before. He's helped a lot of players in the past succeed, and he's also hurt other players. Right, but even more so in the East, too, when you look at the top four teams. Celtics, Jeff Sky, Robert Williams, that he loves to mention, Brooke Lopez for Milwaukee, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen for Cleveland, and then Joel Embiid for the Sixers. That's a lot of size you'll have to go up against in the playoffs, so they're definitely going to need him, at least from a defensive standpoint, to show up. The two teams in the lead for Patrick Kane make other trades. The Leafs who get Ryan O'Reilly, and the Rangers, who acquire back Tyler Mott. Where does he go now? Where does Patrick Kane head off to? Now, the two teams that he really, 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 really wanted to go to are not available. Now, I still think I still think the Rangers could get him. I do. I, I think the Rangers could get him. Now, they're going to have to move... A contract or two with the trade, right. they're going at they maybe have to bring another team involved with it. Definitely to get Patrick Kane, is it worth it? Is Patrick Kane the missing piece that's going to get you to the Stanley Cup? They were an Eastern Conference team last year. They got beaten to a living pulp by the Lightning. They didn't get a lot of offense in that series. They really didn't. The first game they did, and then after that, everything, yeah. fun, every, everything fell apart. They won six to two in the first game, and they did win game two as well. But yeah. I think they, I think they won three to two or three to one, something like that. And then right after that, they kind of they had issues with penalties, and it really hurt them from having any offense. Both the Maple Leafs and the Rangers made trades for centers this weekend, with the Leafs trading uh, with uh, the Blues for center Ryan O'Reilly. And the Rangers reacquiring Tyler Mott from Ottawa, a crucial part of their fourth line during the playoffs last season. The Blues took on more than half of O'Reilly's contract like they did with Tarasenko, which is crazy. So the Leafs only had to uh, have to pay him $1.87 million of the, the deal this season. The Leafs also traded two other players as part of the deal, getting them barely over the salary cap right now, but is still less than a, a half a million available for them. Uh, the Rangers traded for Mott, put them barely over the salary cap as well. Um, here's the thing. It, it, I, I see what Pierre Lebrun uh, said uh, about you know on the athletic about the decision of Kane is expected next next week between uh, Tuesdays and thir- Tuesday and Thursday per his agent Pat Brisson right is Bryson yeah Bryson I know Patrick Kane wants to go to a team that can win a Stanley Cup and I know he likes the Rangers I know he likes the Maple Leafs I don't think the Maple Leafs are a Stanley Cup contender. I don't never think they're a Stanley Cup contender because they never could get out of the first round. Yep. 
They haven't gotten out of the first round in like 10 years. Since 2003. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 20 years. Okay? They, they don't get out of the first round. No matter how much talent they have. So why would he want to go there? The Rangers, it makes sense. Obviously, the Panarin, the Panarin connection that he has with the Chicago Blackhawks. It makes sense. But the Rangers I obviously didn't want him. They didn't want to trade away prospects. They got they got Tarasenko for nothing. Yes, they gave up a first and a fourth and, and some players, but to them it was nothing. To add a, a a piece like that to their first line that could give them, you know, you know, goals in the playoffs there. He's a very good playoff goal uh, a goal scorer, Tarasenko. So is Patrick Kane. And yes, he scored three goals the other day. And he, he did supposedly come out and say he does not want to be traded to the Islanders. Beggars can't be choosers. You don't want to play for Chicago? You want to go to a team that's fighting for a playoff spot? So let the team decide where, you, where they think you can go, where you fit, and where you can play for a playoff team. They're not going to send you a team that's not fighting for a playoff spot. I just think it makes no sense whatsoever for Toronto to even be looked at right now. Like they're investing a combined like of their salary cap, probably seventy five percent of it into offensive players alone. Like they have a couple of veteran defensive players that are decent, but still, like in general, like all your team is going to be offense. Matthews on ten and a half million dollars, Marner on about eight million dollars, Tavares on the big contract he has, and. Patrick's making ten Patrick's, and a half. Yeah, Patrick Hayden and ten and a half. I mean, yeah, they, they're going to have to get Chicago to pay some of it, okay. But still, like, where are these guys all going to fit on a team with not much defense and very questionable goaltending? It doesn't work, and you're going to try to repeat the same cycle. Patrick Kane and Max Domi, who has also been brought up in trade rumors, are the only two Blackhawk players that have 40-plus points this season. The Blackhawks general manager, Kyle Davidson, said about Patrick Kane, Patrick has done a lot for this organization. He's done a tremendous amount for the city, and he deserves the leeway to make it, uh, the right decision for himself. And so we're going we're gonna give him uh, that place. But when we do that, when we do get to that conclusion, one way or the other, it'll be through a partnership and a collaboration decision making the process right. So I, I mean you're looking at it and there's a lot of things about Patrick Kane that you like. The guy is one of the better playoff players right now that are still, you know, that are available when it comes to the trade deadline. He he's a guy that I think has over twenty goals in the playoffs. Uh, he could pass the puck. Uh, if he went to the Rangers, he'd be a great third line guy. Maybe you put him, you, you flip him around with Tarasenko here and there right. on that first line. It could work power play wise. He's he's a great passer. He's a great goal scorer. He scored, like I said, he had a hat trick the other day. By the way, we have Jeff back on the phone. Jeff, what's up? Why would you do this to Ranger fans? Hmm. Why would you give them false hope that Patrick Kane could also be coming? It's never happening. You can't let these mouth breathers have anything because they're just going to run with it and then they're going to cry at the end of the day when it doesn't happen. They made their move. Tarasenko, that's their move. They can't afford anything else and they're not going to give up any of the valuable pieces that that – Chicago's going to want. They're going to want something in return for him. And they just gave away a first-round draft pick. What are they going to give away? All their draft picks for the next five years now? Mm. Like, it's not going to happen. They made their move. They're probably out. Stop giving these people false hope. 
it, it, it's like the false hope that they had last year when they made that run through the playoffs and they beat every third string goalie in the league. And then they played a real team and then they got their asses kicked. Stop giving these idiots hope. Don't do it. I'm not giving them hope, but I, and I think uh, that I think there are other teams that might be very much interested or in or in on him. The Devils are in on him. Dallas will be in on him. Vegas, the Golden Knights will be in in on him. The 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 L A Kings will be in on him. Uh, Minnesota could be in on him. Carolina could be in on him. There's a lot of good teams that are are playoff contending teams that could be in on him. The question right, is, the does Devils he want to go there? Right, but the Devils are the only one that's moderately likely because I don't think Chicago is going to really want to trade him in, divi- in division because the team that he would be going to isn't going to want to help a team in their conference giving them prospects or draft picks or whatever. Like, I, I would see that as less likely. A-, a trip to the East would be more likely, so probably the Devils, right? But here's Carolina, the disclaimer, too. Here's the Carolina disclaimer, too. Jeff, with this because it was also announced that Jonathan Tate, because he had a he had an illness, he had to he has to be shut down, so he's not going to be able to be traded. He has a long term COVID issue, so he's going to be out for he's going to be out probably for the rest of the year. They are not going to be able to trade him anymore. They have to do everything they can to get for Kane. So if Minnesota or Vegas gives them the best offer, they might have to take it. I mean, that's true too. I mean, but those teams aren't going to be willing to give up as much to try to help a team in their conference either. So I wouldn't think that those deals are going to be the best deals for each side. Not ideally, but they're probably so far down where I don't even know if they could afford to be that stingy though. And Speedy, you shouldn't be a Rangers fan. You're too sensible to be a Rangers fan. <laughs> can I send you an application to join the Bruins bandwagon? Can I do, can I do that? Like, you're too smart and too sensible to like a team with a fan base that's so stupid. <laughs> I'm not saying I agree with every Ranger fan, Jeff. Believe me. Uh, I, I don't think you agree with any Ranger fan. <laughs> well, he, he's... I mean, he's even, very... even as a Ranger fan, you must admit, Ranger fans are the dumbest people no, in the No, I, I right? disagree with a lot of them. Like, a lot of the front office moves they've made over the years, too. I've been skeptical, especially with Glenn Sather. But you like the Tarasenko trade. You I did. love the Tarasenko trade. That was... Since the Zabanajad trade, that was the biggest bargain the Rangers ever, ever had had in a trade. But, be, yeah, like, besides that, they, they always bargain. trade too much. Right, but it's a bargain until he leaves in free agency. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. You tra- and, then, and then you realize you gave away your first-round draft pick to make it to the second round of the playoffs. And, that, and that's why I think the Rangers are going to be eliminated. And, and here's the thing. Tarasenko is a rental player. I, I heard the beef that they're trying to move around contracts so they can try to o- offer him a better deal in the offseason. They're not getting Tarasenko. He's 31 years old. He's still in the prime of his career. He still could play another four good years as an NHL player if he could stay healthy. Why would he take less money to stay with the Rangers? It doesn't make sense. Because that's what the FUD wants. <laughs> I stop. I mean, ideally, any any team is going to want that when somebody's going to have to take a pay cut. I don't know if Kane is going to do that though at this point in his career, though, to be able to do that he with might, Tarasenko. He, he might. He's made a ton of money, and I think that, like, for Kane, just in Kane's specific, you know, position, I think that he wants to go to a winning team and then stay with a winning team. I don't think that he likes all the losing that Chicago has been doing for the past few years. No, he doesn't. I think that he would take a, a bit of a haircut to to win. I, I know. I just what state are the Rangers if they were to do that, be able to do that? Yeah. No, question, he's not though. going to the Rangers. I think Jeff is right. And I, 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 he's definitely not going to the Maple Leafs now, now that uh, no. O'Reilly is right, there. They just, right. They just, they, just got, 
They just got a really great deal for, and by the way, uh, everyone's talking about Ryan O'Reilly. Nola Chari is nothing to sneeze at. He's a no, very I like, good I like player. Nola Chari. He's, he was another, right, he's a very good player. A couple of years right. ago before he, he went to Florida, I wanted the Rangers to get him. I remember that. His depth. He's a, right, that's what I'm saying. That's a sneaky piece to get, by the way, because he's going to be you know, playing down the line a little bit, you know, third and fourth line, and he's a terrific player, man. Yeah, no, I've always liked him as a a, a, a winger in that third, fourth line. That be kind of a surprising like playoff goal scorer slash key game goal scorer type thing. And very tough, very feisty as well, which the Rangers lack those types of players on uh, on their depth. They always, they always lack toughness, the Rangers. All they have is that I know, believe and me. Hunter Truba, right? And then because Ranger fans always like to cry. Remember when Panarin thought he was tough and then Ryan Reeves picked him up and dropped him on his stupid mullet and all the Rangers fans <laughs> cried? Oh, we're so tough, but then my guy got dropped on his head. Oh, no, the Rangers, they're the furthest thing in terms of, like, overall toughness when it comes to comparing other They've teams. been tough pretty good year this Better year. Better this yeah. year, finally, but still. They're tougher than they were but last not year. Tough, but they're not actually tough, though, because they're just cheap. Because Truba's just a, a, a headhunter. That's all he is, is a headhunter. Yeah, and that's if dirty. he plays as that's bad dirty. as he did that's... in the playoffs last year against Tampa, that's not going to be a good sign. Right, because I think there's a difference between being tough and being dirty. Like, tough is like the way Zidane Char used to play. He would hit people. Yeah, you need that good balance. I get that, yeah. Right, but Truba is just a dirty player. I think Truba has had good stretches this year. It's just a matter of if they could find it in the playoffs. Because the the Penguin series, I would say he was pretty good. But the the Hurricane series, he only had the one good game in the Lightning series. Just He was a penalty machine, and that was a big problem. Right, and you know, the other problem that we're not talking about with the Rangers doing, maybe Tarasenko fixes this, we don't know. But in the playoffs, Panarin shrinks. Zabenejad shrinks, Kreider shrinks. They all shrink in the playoffs. They're, none of these guys are actually good playoff players. How many goals last year? And by the way, when they were making well, Zibanejad had a goal streak. He he was pretty good in the early rounds, but and, disappeared against the Lightning. And Panarin felt disappeared against the yeah, Lightning. Panarin was really bad the whole way in but, the playoffs. Right and right because the only line that was scoring was that stupid thing they called the kid, the kid line. line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the only thing that was scoring. And all their big money guys didn't score a single goal, really. They were all they all just shrunk. Well, that's why they brought Tarasenko in. He is a goal scorer in the playoffs. He's a really good playoff goal scorer. So that might well, we'll help. We'll see. Them. Something happens to people when they put on that stupid blue shirt, when they really start to suck. <laughs> uh, they call it sweater, but you can call it a shirt. <laughs> Actually, for the Rangers, they call them the blue shirt. Yeah. So I'm correct. Snuck says, you say he's only looking to win a Stanley Cup. Why would he want to go to a team that might only make the playoffs? And hashtag forbid the FUD. Well, again, again, his market is going to be kind of limited as it is with the no trade clause or no movement clause. And then. Oh, there's there's already he's already been said he doesn't want to play for the Islanders. So. Right. There, there he vetoed it. So now, that's never going to happen. Well, I mean, let's give the guy a little bit of credit for having some sense. Well, the other thing, too, is the Islanders beat the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. The Islanders don't got it this year. Maybe another year. Maybe whatever. They're just, they've been off. The trade deadline is next week, I think it is. It's yeah, next, March next Friday. Friday. Yeah, March from Friday. Yeah, so we'll know what Lou Lamorello does, probably what the Islanders do for the rest of this week. If the Islanders win three games this week, I know they have two two big games this week. If they can come out winners, maybe Lou, you know, goes out and... 
and tries to bring in another player to help them out. We'll see. I, but, I don't. But that's I, not. A, I think they should be sellers, really a, but that's just my but opinion. That, that, but that's not really a, a, a Lou move, though, right? Because Lou is a guy that always builds for the future. And he's not going to give up future stuff for a guy that's a complete. Actually, console. Lou has given up the future. Lou has given up the future. Go look at what Lou's oh. done. Every every year they give up the first round draft pick. Yeah, every the last they haven't years. had a first round draft pick since I went to Dallas to the draft. Right, right, but this year they did it for a guy that they signed for seven more years. That's yes. not going to happen with Kane. I, they don't have any first round draft picks to trade now. They traded away. So what are right, they going but, to do? Right, but right, but you'd much rather give away the draft pick for a guy that you're going to have long term. Mm. Like that's a whole lot better deal than say the Tarasenko thing. Yeah. Right? They gave up that first round draft pick for basically nothing. So, you know, if you're discussing the New Rangers York had GMs, two first round draft picks. Right, but if you're discussing New York GMs, that's a win for Lou. That's a huge win for Lou. We'll see. I mean, Lou didn't make it seem like that because Lou came out and said, uh, you know, he got way too many years and way too much yeah, money. But he's <laughs> go- yeah, but he's going to downplay whatever move that's made. And if we're being honest, every Islanders fan on the planet loved that move. It was I a did. huge move. I did. It was a great move. Jeff, we got to go. Wait. We got to go, Jeff. We have our second guest. Awesome. Love to hear it. Love love to see the Islanders win and the Rangers lose. Screw the fuck. <laughs> Chris, Chris is going to love this. I'll tell you this. When we come back, we'll be talking to former Cowboys, Colts, and Broncos fullback Chris Gronkowski here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Oh. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. Shows throughout the country, they are live. You can call the shows. You can interact with our talent throughout our website and our social medias. Check us out every single day, including the Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Tonight, special show. As everybody knows, I will be in Toronto doing some stuff with some OHL, AHL, and NHL organizations. So I this will be the show of the week. And why not bring in a nice player that is very well known for his last name. We are now talking to former Cowboys, Colts, and Broncos fullback, Chris Gronkowski. Chris, what's up, man? Yeah, what is going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. We we know all about your family, your background, your brother, uh, one of the uh, craziest people in NFL history, as we all know. Loves to party, as he's known, and so are you. I've seen some of the, the videos and the pictures of your, all, your whole family. You guys are crazy. But before we get into that, um, how are you and your family doing with COVID and all the craziness over the last couple of years? Yeah, it was all good, man. I, uh, you know, just decided to have four kids, <laughs> uh, you know, two of them during COVID. So it's all good. Well, you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not one. I, I'm a little bit older than you. You're 36. I'm 40. And uh, still no kids. Thank God. But, uh, you know, when I'm ready, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to, 
you know, spit them out like you did. <laughs> as as you, everybody knows, we are talking to former Cowboys, Colts, and Broncos fullback Chris Gronkowski. Chris, before we get into your your career, what is it like being a Gronkowski? I, I mean, your 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 personalities, your you're, you're all you're all crazy and funny and outgoing. I saw that show that. Uh, obviously, that you guys were all on. Uh, the, what was that? The Gronk Show or something like that? Uh, it, it was it was hilarious. You guys are just you just there's something about you guys that just make everybody laugh. So, what is it like growing up with you know, the whole family, all five of you guys? Yeah, man, it was it was just mayhem is what it came down to. You know, you take five boys, you put them in a household. And uh, the only rules were don't punch each other in the balls or the face. <laughs> and uh, and all, every day was a brawl. You know, ended with a brawl, fought over everything, whether it was, you know, backyard baseball or just who could eat faster, just turned into a fist fight. So, uh, man, we just kind of grew up really close and stayed close and um, just like to have a good time and compete in everything. Do you have any particular fun fact about any one of your brothers that these fans might uh, get in some interest in? Rob's a lot smarter than you think he is, man. I <laughs> think that's funny because like everyone thinks he's like the ultimate meathead, but yeah, you give someone four million dollars when they're twenty years old and they don't mess it up. That's actually pretty impressive. I can tell you that. <laughs> I see one of your kids running yeah. into your room over there. Oh man, I got I got one of them right here. <laughs> Who's he? Over- What's his name? We got we got baby cash over here. Man. Baby cash, wow, I like that. Baby cash. Did did Rob give him that name? <laughs> no, no. Here we go. Baby here, cash. Look at him. on the show. There you go. We, we need a we need a counterpartner. We have a seat over there for him if he wants to come over here to the studio. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Cowboys, Colts, and Broncos fullback. Chris Gronkowski. Obviously, you're 36 years old. You came into the league. What was it like, first of all, being an NFL player, one? And and second, what was it like being compared to, you know, your brothers? Yeah, man. So I came in, um, you know, Rob and I were actually in the same class. Um, so at that time, it wasn't, there was no Gronk, man. Like, that wasn't a thing yet. <laughs> so uh, that didn't really happen until, you know, his second, third year. And um, it was cool. Like, I played with him in high school. I played with him in college. I wish I had the opportunity to play with them in the NFL. My other two brothers got to, but um, unfortunately, I think I had this vibe with uh, the Patriots where they knew we partied a lot in college. <laughs> his, uh, his college roommate, so I don't think they would bring me in because of that reason. But um, yeah, man, as a player itself, it, it's it's wild. I mean, it's a little bit different for someone like me who was a bubble player versus someone like uh, you know Rob who's got guaranteed money on the table. So. You know, for me, every single day could have been my last day. Right, right. Uh, I walked in that locker room uh, one minute late. That was a $1,000 fine, and I was probably cut. So uh, definitely, man, a lot more stressful than people think. Like They were like, hey, man, it must have been really nice playing a game for a living. And I'm like, yeah, it was cool uh, until I had to have multiple surgeries. I grinded my teeth every night because I was so stressed out, and I probably slept four hours a night. But make good money. I knew what I was in for. I would never change anything that I did, but... It's definitely a grind. So you have actually uh, now two two companies. Uh, one uh, one of which uh, everything decorated, and the other one ice shaker. So describe what those companies have been like. You working for them, and maybe how they were founded. Yeah, for sure, man. First one was founded by my wife because I went to three different teams in three years. So kind <laughs> of back to that uh, that bubble player uh, lifestyle. I was on a new team every year, which um, you know required a lot of moving. So my wife decided to find a way to work from home. So she started an online business that took off, and I ended up making more money in the first three years than my NFL career did. So. Uh, wow. Very successful, still have it. She's 10 years into it. And um, it was wedding gifts for the most part, wedding gifts, like bridesmaid gifts, stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> five years into it, 
making great money. I didn't have to do anything else, but you know, it really wasn't my passion. So uh, I thought of this cool idea for a shaker bottle. I was working out all the time and um, jumped all over. It started as a side hustle and then pretty soon got an ABC Shark Tank and it took off and became a full-time business overnight. Yeah, I was just reading that. We were talking to former Cowboys, Colts, and Broncos fullback Chris Gronkowski. I, and I, what was it like going on Shark Tank, Shark Tank, and 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 average, obviously pitching it to Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez? That must be crazy. Sitting in front of a billionaire and and Alex Rodriguez, who was probably worth about six, seven hundred million dollars. What was it like pitching your business to one of those guys? Yeah, man, it's funny because um, you know you walk out there and they kind of show it on TV where it's like this really intense stare down. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I walk out there, man, they're just chilling on their phones. And then uh, they edit it to make it look like this very intense stare down. But uh, by the time you walk out there, if you're a fan of the show, you, know, you almost feel like you know them. You know, you've heard everything they've asked. You know, you kind of know the mannerisms by that point. So uh, walking out there, I was prepared. I was ready for it. And it almost felt like I was walking into a room of a bunch of friends. Uh, of course, you still get nervous at first. But once you get going and your brothers run out of the back room, best bump and play some flip cup. You know, you're good after that. <laughs> so which one of them took the deal of the f- of the five guys that are in the panel? We ended up getting offers from all five, and we closed with uh, Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. There you go. Yeah, which it says it over here, which is crazy. I mean, I, I never got a chance to meet Mark Cuban. I was at an event, and he was talking to everybody. And I, I you know, when you when you speak to Mark Cuban, he is a businessman and he's a genius. He's a he's a salesman. That's what he does, and that's how he how he became a billionaire. He started off in bars and stuff like that, and he figured out ways how to build you know corporations and organizations through the way you know you go and you drink beer and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty awesome when you see. Guys like Alex Rodriguez and, and Mark Cuban, guys that are entrepreneurs that really grew and, and built companies and organizations. Alex Rodriguez owns gyms all over the world, all, all over the country, you know, and he, he built, a, you know, an athletic organi- organization through that. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to former Colts, Cowboys, and Broncos fullback Chris Gronkowski. Chris, when, when you, you talk about your five brothers and, and a lot of your brothers played in the NFL – what was it like, you know, the competitiveness? Like, I know Rob was the best one. Everybody looks at his greatest tight end, one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. What was it like trying to mimic what he has done as a tight end, at you as a fullback running back, or your brother Dan as a, as a, tight, a, a tight end? What was it like? Man, so uh, lucky for me, I was, I was two years older than Rob, so, you know, I, I showed him the way. Uh, I, I, I made him tough, man. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give up. So we fought a lot growing up, uh, a lot of beatdowns. Uh, once he got into high school and he got a little bit bigger than me, that's kind of when I decided to stop fighting him. Uh, we became teammates at that point. So, uh, man, everything was all about, um, you know, teamwork at that point. And we played next to each other. So I was more of a wing, you know, he was a tight end. We run routes together. We block together, uh, all through college. It was all about, Hey, who could light these guys up and let's go watch film afterwards. And, you know, point out who, who had better blocks and better hits. So, man, it was cool. It was never, uh, it was never something where it was like, man, jealous of anything he's doing like that. And our careers were at the same time. You know, I got into the league, same exact time as him. I played three seasons, went into a fourth, got hurt. I was just lucky to get to that point. Uh, I think that, and I tell people this all the time, the only reason I ended up making it was because of that motivational factor that I got from my brothers. Every brother at that point, I got drafted. I went undrafted and I was sitting there like, man, I got to know uh, I have no excuses. Like I have to make this team or I'm going to hear about it for the rest of my life. <laughs> that is the ultimate mindset of, you know, there's zero chance I can fail or I'm going to hear about this forever. So 
I ended up making that team as an undrafted free agent. I was one of the first undrafted free agents to make a like, Dallas Cowboys team in 10 years. So huge accomplishment for me. Uh, my whole goal was just to get pension. You know, you need three credited seasons. You got to play in at least three games uh, per season to get a credited season. I ended up playing in 35 games, which, you know, that's something like, you know, first round pick like Tim Tebow played in. So for me, it was a success. But comparing it to someone like Rob, you know, no one even knows I played at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, with his ultra craziness, I, I mean, him on Nickelodeon, everywhere he's gone, and I've seen the TV shows that he has done and he's been a part of, he's got just like everywhere, he walks into a room, it doesn't matter who it is, who's on the show, he just light, lights up the cameras for some reason. It's just his part. He was on Fox the other day for the, for the playoffs. He was just... He's just a different personality. I, I don't know what FanDuel thing. I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. The kick, the field goal yeah. kick, or the craziness. He's just a crazy person. I. It reminds me. A lot of people say that about me. I'm a crazy person. People don't notice. Well, people notice that on on the, on on the show. But even outside the show, I'll go out and we'll, we'll we went out to a bar the other night. My friends, my friend's uh, father passed away from cancer, so we wanted to go out and just make him laugh. So we went out, three or four of my buddies, and we went and I. I, I don't even drink, dude. I don't even go out there and drink. You don't I, even need to. I don't. I don't. You know what I was doing? I was doing handstands on a chair, on a, on a stool. I was trying to do a handstand. I almost fell and broke my back. And, and one of the bartenders were looking at me like I was out of my friggin' mind. She says, what are you on? Are you on drugs or something? I was like, no, I'm high on life. You know, because I felt, I felt so bad that with his father dying from cancer. But my question to you is, out of all your brothers, one – who can guzzle a, beer, a guzzle a beer faster? That's one. And two, yep. who's the best beer pong player of you all, all five of your brothers? Man, those those are good questions. So uh, the number one party in the family is still the oldest, Gordy. So he's in the New England area. Yeah, he he thinks he's the youngest brother, but he's about to turn forty this year. So <laughs> he's my age. Uh, yeah, so he he still he does a muscle chug. So he, it's uh you got to put the beer on your forearm, and then <laughs> as you're chugging it, you got to flex for the camera. Wow. So he calls it muscle chug. <laughs> that's his go-to move so i for sure he chugs chugs the fastest uh beer pong we're pretty good at beer pong we haven't really played lately though a lot mm. of it's been flip cup and then uh man i don't for me at least uh i don't drink that much now that i have kids Gordy's really holding it down for the whole family in that department so what is it like in the gronkowski family for the holidays all five of you brothers in the same place celebrating christmas and new years and all that what is it like man we uh at this point like we're we're like playing different games now at this point when we, we get together. So a lot of like basketball, um, we play a lot of cornhole and games like that too. So mm-hmm. we even have a little, uh, so we'll, we'll shoot like basketball, we'll play games like that, but like the little hoops, mm-hmm. wow. my dad has one of those. We got ping pong, man. Like we're always, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the little games now that we play. Oh, I would love to play you guys in ping pong. I am a ping pong champion. I, I put some backspin. You guys wouldn't even know where the ball's going. It'll be bouncing one way and go the um, other. I'm telling you, like Rob and Glenn, when Glenn was in New England with Rob, all they did was play ping pong. They got crazy rules too. Like you can play off the ceiling, off the wall. Oh. <laughs> you can't lose on a serve. Like they, they got it down. <laughs> all right. Well, which one of those games are you the best at of your all five of your brothers? All, all the games. What, what's your standout uh, game? Twister. Right now, right now, probably, probably pickleball, I'll say. Pickleball. All right. 
I've never played pickleball. Everybody keeps telling me about pickleball. How how you know there's four different you know there's four different sides and you have to hit the ball. It, it looks looks cool, but I never tried it. It's like a tennis, badminton, wiffle ball it's hybrid. Like it's weird. Very weird. I, yeah. I've never seen anything. I've like tried it. it a couple times. It's weird. I called out Rob, so I think they got a video. <laughs> maybe you can't, could. Can't you could maybe you could be an Olympic gold medalist. Maybe you can go into the Olympics doing that. They're going to make it an Olympic game. That's what I'm hearing. Could you imagine that? Yeah. Man, those guys, the pros are uh, – we went to a pro event. They're next level, man. They're, I mean, it takes a lot of training to get to that level. My, my pro days are over, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you're a father. You have four kids. I mean, come on, man. Uh, yeah. How many how many more kids are you going to have? You're 36 years old. He's assembling an Olympic pickleball team for the future. <laughs> I'm good, man. We had three boys, and then the fourth was a girl. Four to figure that out. Daddy's little girl, huh? Yeah, yeah. She's about eight months now. We are talking to former Colts, uh, Cowboys, and Broncos fullback Chris Gronkowski. Chris, what what stands out to you most about your career? One and number two, uh, what was it like playing in the same league with your brothers? Yeah, man. Um, what stands out the most is that I just made it three years. Just getting that bench was kind of my ultimate goal at that point. I mean, I had a touchdown my first game I played in. It was really oh. cool. Yeah, first play I'm going against Brian Erlacher, uh, ISO up the middle. So kind of you know, one of those memories that you remember forever. I think I remember that too. I do remember. Uh, yeah, so pretty cool game uh, to start in, especially for your first game to start. Against my brother in New England was pretty cool. Mm. Uh, you know, we were, ended up losing against them, but just playing in New England, that atmosphere is, is unreal. Uh, him talking trash every time I ran by him on the sidelines, you know, just, you know, 44 sucks. This guy's, you know, <laughs> everything you possibly think of, he's screaming out every time I ran by. So uh, we had about 80 friends and family at the game as well, and yeah. he had to pay for all the tickets, and I didn't pay for them, so <laughs> huge, huge bonus for me there as well. Uh, but yeah, man, that's uh, very yeah. It's, it's crazy because it flies by, and at the time when you're playing, you don't realize how special it is and how hard it really is to get to that level. And then once I left the game, I had so much more respect for it. And when I finally got around uh, like normal people's size, and then I went back in the locker room, mm. I was like. Man, this is insane how big and how fast and how strong these guys really are. Yeah. Uh, so just so much respect uh, once I left the game and kind of looked back at it. Yeah, so you're, uh, you actually were the teacher that helped uh, your Broncos take down the Patriots next year in the a AFC Championship <laughs> game. So you gave them all the insights of how to take down uh, your brother. You're giving yeah. all the secrets away. I, yeah, I definitely didn't give any tips, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah, man, I I wasn't happy about that one, but I wish... We took them down the year before, but uh, we yeah. lost. The Ravens ended up beating them, and it would have been a you know a, a nice AFC Championship game against my brother, but it just didn't happen. So um, my question is: You, in addition to your brothers, you also played in Denver with another uh, qu quite a personality in uh, Peyton Manning. So what was he like on and off the field when you were there? Man, Peyton's like just like the commercials. One of my favorite things that he would do was away games. If we won, he'd jump on the mic on the airplane, and the first time he did it, he jumped on. He was like. Hey guys, it's your captain speaking, and I'm chilling. Like, yeah, this is the captain of the airplane speaking. And uh, you know, next thing I know, he's like, "No, it's Peyton, the captain of the football team." And he gets on there, man, and he he cracks jokes just like you he would uh, like on these TV commercials. And he's funny. He's super witty with them as well. And uh, man, it was just an amazing leader. Like he was that guy that was first on the field, the old last off. Uh, you know, he was putting the time in. He was doing everything he could to be the best player and best teammate that he possibly could. So uh, it was really cool to have an opportunity to play with Peyton. 
So what is it going to take your brother to get married, okay? This guy, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I see him. He's, he's got a beautiful girlfriend, uh, you know, supermodel. When's he settling down like you guys? I mean, seriously. I mean, he's got a dog now, so that's definitely <laughs> He's getting up there, too. So, you know, guys usually wait till after they're done playing because, yeah. you know, it's a big-time commitment, and they want to be there for their family. So right. uh, I, could, I could see it happening soon. I hope so. He needs the dog to retrieve the football after he tries to kick the field goal for the fan duel thing. Yeah, man. That I still thought it went in, but that, that it was actually like 30 mile per hour wind. <laughs> thing hooked like crazy, man. 30 mile an hour winds in Arizona. They they might have found. If uh... there's anybody that could do or do something like that, it would be him. I mean, seriously. He is definitely a personality. I, I don't know him personally. You you lived with him. You grew up with him. He is some personality, man. I, yeah, I mean, just crazy because that's how he was growing up, and um, like nothing changed him. And that was kind of the thing. Like a lot of times, guys make it, they get famous, mm-hmm. they get money, and all of a sudden they're a different person. This dude was like three years into the four years, I guess, because I was done at that point, and I go visit him. He's still bringing home food from the complex. <laughs> I'm like, man, you know, bring me some too. <laughs> so. Uh, but man, nothing changed. Like, you know, still, you know, saving money, um, you know, still the same person personality wise, nothing changed. Uh, so still same jokes, you know, same, same everything. So pretty cool to see. And he's, he's always lived his life just like that. Mm. So which one of your brothers could eat the most in one sitting? <laughs> oh man, I'm going with my brother, Dan. Yeah. He was a beast, man. He was, he's the one who made us start football, you know, six, six, two thirty five, two forty in high school, starting quarterback. And, Dude was just an absolute beast. We didn't play football till high school. And he was kind of – the reason we did was because my brother Dan, and he was kind of forced to play just because he was so big and so athletic. So, uh, man, that dude, yeah, he can, he can house food. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Cowboys, Colts, and Broncos fullback Chris Gronkowski. Last question for me. If we got all of you guys on a show right now, and I would love to get you guys, all five of you on a show, what would all of you say about each other? Yeah, I don't know. We just did that. Um, you got to get like a chalkboard out, right? And, like, make, make them write it down so you can't copy each other. Uh, but yeah, definitely some interesting stuff. I mean, I think we hit it on a little bit. Um, you know, Brother Gordy definitely thinks he's the number one partier. That would come out immediately. Uh, yeah, man. Um, overall, just my Papa Gronk would be there too. And, you know, he would, he would be telling everyone how amazing all of us are. I can tell you that much. So. Uh, he'd just be breaking it down and how much money he saved on college and not pay <laughs> tuition and kind of the whole deal, man. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes down every time we're all together. I did see videos of your mom and your father talking about all five of you and how crazy you guys were when you were younger. So I could only yeah, got, imagine. Man, it, it was like absolute mayhem, but you got to think, like, my mom had five boys. We all played multiple sports and we all played on multiple teams. You know, so you're playing the travel teams, too, and – I try to think of this because now I'm bringing my kids to, to practice every day. And uh, my mom did this for five of us with no cell phone, no GPS. And, like, it was physically impossible for her to get to every location. So she had to call, like, the neighbors from the landline and be like, hey, can you bring my kid to practice and I'll bring your other kid to this other practice. That's just insane, man, to even think about it at this point. Expert negotiator. Oh, my like, God. Expert everything, man. It was like running a little business, uh, I mean, a, a full-time business all day, every day, just trying to get us to practice, get us fed, and, uh, you know, to school and all that as well. You are all giants, so it doesn't even matter. I mean, seriously. You have a bro- Dan 6'6", six, six, um, Rob 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, whatever the heck he is. I mean, Gordy, what is Gordy, 6'3", 6'4"? 
Oh, uh, he's up there. He's like six six as well. Really? Uh, you're you're the small one. You're the <laughs> I'm the short one, man. I was I was six two. Um you know, two I played at two forty five and yeah, I was the smallest in the family. Well, six two, two forty five is not small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny, man, because people see me and uh they're like, Wow, you're you're really big. I'm like, Yeah, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> I mean like, well, in all your photos you look really small. <laughs> I'm like, man, it's because I'm with my family, but I get it all the time where people just think I'm really short. Because <laughs> you're standing next to Bohemets, man. I mean, yeah, they're all big. <laughs> the Gronkowski family photos. They're sure huge, the, man. That was quite an adventure with all, with all that. Probably even for the photographer, too. Like, oh, they got to stand back because they're all so big. How tall is your mother? I mean, seriously. Yeah, it's weird because my dad's not that much taller than me. He's probably just um, right around 6'3". Mm. And then my mom is normal height, so she's... She's like five six, five seven. Wow. Uh, my dad's brother was he was up there though. He was like six eight. Uh so I think he came from my dad's side. It has to be. I mean, you guys are giants. Yeah, I'm I'm just like the normal one, like the size they're supposed to be, right? Your dad's six, six three, two mom. is not normal. Okay, I'm five ten, okay? Chris, I'm five ten. I'm two thirty two. I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy. Okay, but I'm not six two. I have a friend that's six two. He's like three four inches bigger than me. He's taller than me. I'm bigger than him. It, it, and you were six two two forty five. That's big. Okay, that's a big yeah, guy. That was beast mode back then. That, that's a big guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, serious. Now. I mean, you were talking about Bryce Young. We were just talking about Bryce Young. He's like 5'10", 175 pounds, 172 pounds. Could you imagine that as a quarterback in the NFL? You're going to get killed. Jeez. It, it happens too, man. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh you got to get that. Oh, my God. So my last question is, uh, the Gronk over here is the uh, iconic uh, Gronk, Gronk beach party or Gronk boat party every year. Like, you have a particular favorite moment from any of those? <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. Everyone has a favorite moment. It's when my dad gets on stage. He has like the best slash worst dance moves you've ever seen in your entire life. And uh, this party, yeah, I was, I was talking to Mark Sareth and his son Daniel played. I'm, I actually played a year at Arizona when I transferred. I had to sit out. I played a year of baseball and I played with his son. So I was talking to him. He's like, "Man, I haven't seen your dad in a while. Uh, yeah, where's he at?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? He's right there." And we turn around. He's on stage dancing, and uh, just just one of those funny moments, man. Where you're like. How, how did I possibly miss that? Because uh, the moves are just, the moves are outrageous. The highlight of every Gronk Beach party is uh, Papa Gronk breaking it down. I will say this. I met Mark uh, at the Super Bowl. Mark is one of the nicest people you could talk to. Really, really cool. And, uh, you know, he played in the NFL, and he's a good broadcaster, too. So, there you go. So, you never know. Yeah. yeah. You never know. He's a big Yeah. But, Chris, we really appreciate you, man. I would love – and I'm going to have my producer. I would love to get your brothers on all at once. And I and have, like, a trivia question, you know, now with all five of your brothers and ask about each and every one of you. I would love to throw you guys curveballs and see who knows more about each other. Glenn will ask a question about Dan. You'll ask a question <laughs> to Rob. Yeah. <laughs> but There'll be a lot of answers. Oh, I'm sure. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Well – we will uh, we will reach out to you again, my friend. We really appreciate your time, as always. I know you're a busy guy, four kids, beautiful wife, you know, house and everything like that. It's different when you're retired, I'm sure, right? Yeah, things change quick, man. Once you have the kids, the family, uh, you only get to go to Gronk Beach parties once a year at that point. <laughs> please don't, please, please don't scare me, okay? I don't want to be scared when I start no. spitting out kids. Oh, good. 
You can hang out with a kid like this, man. Oh, look I it. love kids. Oh, look at him. He's a cutie, oh. man. He's a cutie. He doesn't like the camera. Oh, camera shy. Oh, he'll, he'll get there. He'll get there. Not like Uncle Rob. <laughs> <laughs> He's my shy guy. My other two are all about the camera. I'm sure they are. Uh-huh. They're Gronkowski, I'm sure. You guys are. You guys are personalities, that's for sure. Uh, but you want to know something? The league needs people like you. That's for sure. Uh, it really for does. For sure, man. Have fun. Push it, to, push it to the limit, but don't actually get in trouble. So none no. of us have been arrested. Uh, so we're we're good, man. We're good. We like to have fun, but don't take it over the top. Yeah. Well, Rob uh, definitely takes it to the next level. But, uh, you yeah. know. He takes it right there, and then, <laughs> then he's good. We really appreciate ever, you, man. Everyone was hyping the Kelsey Brothers Bowl, but you guys have five brothers. So <laughs> you guys win in the end. <laughs> Yeah, we just didn't get to play in the Super Bowl together, but that's pretty cool. Definitely, definitely huge achievement, and uh, yeah, it's it's cool to watch, man. As as you know, having brothers myself in the league, that's something that I wish we were able to do as well. Look at the bright side; you could borrow one of Rob's uh, rings. How's that? That's what I'm saying. He's got four of them. One of them's got in my fingers. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, he'll probably auction it off to you if you if you're lucky. He probably doesn't even know where they are. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even think he has them. He puts them somewhere else. It flipped <laughs> off his hand at one of the beach parties. Hopefully he didn't throw it in the water in Tampa. <laughs> no, it's just a trophy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Chris, you're awesome. Thank you so much, man. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Chris Gronkowski. Thank you Thank so you. much, Chris. Chris is awesome, man. Oh, yeah. Awesome, funny. Just like his brother, man. Uh-huh. Just like his brother. Good personality. You're a great Gronk Five. Yeah, he's really he's really funny. Yes, he really is. But great uh, stories. Yeah, and you know you know what it is is, I think people when 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 people see me on 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 the show and stuff like that, they don't realize I am a little crazy off air. I I like to do crazy things. I have a weird personality. I say some crazy things, but you know when I have to be serious, I'll be serious. You know so. But you you have to be – you don't want anybody to change who you are, no matter what. It doesn't matter if, if you're playing professional sports, you're a radio show host or anything. You want to do – you want to be yourself. Everything that you do, you want to be yourself. You want to bring out your personality no matter what you do. And I, I think that's so very important, not only as a star athlete or a broadcaster or you're in the entertainment field, you're a musician or you know a wrestler. It doesn't matter what you do. You always want to bring out who you are as a person. I think the Gronkowskis are, are, are very much like that. And also, also like uh, Peyton Manning, the Manning brothers. You know, when you, when you look at the Manning brothers, Eli Manning, he does that Eli Manning show on YouTube. He slowly but surely became, you know, that personality after he retired nobody knew how funny Eli Manning was until he went on Saturday Night Live and he he did all that other stuff and and everybody knew how funny Peyton was but they didn't realize that you know even though Eli is a little bit different than Peyton their personalities are kind of alike in in so many ways I think Peyton's a little bit more sarcastic I think Eli's more you know, quiet, and he's like a he's cerebral. randomly petty. We, like yes. we, we see it on the Manning cast at different points. Like he'll he he's ready for his he's shot. Cerebral. Like he he yeah. sneaks it in there. Yeah, <laughs> he's very cerebral. And even watching them at the uh, the Pro Bowl and 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 when they were playing, they were having the competitions and what they were yeah, saying. You could tell. You could tell they're very competitive, but very very funny. And uh, you know, they're brothers. And that that's me and my brother are very very different. You know, so when 
me, my brother's not co- competitive when it comes to sports because my brother was never good at sports. Yeah, your brother does not seem like that. He's type. not an athlete. Yeah. You know what I mean? So whenever we competed, he tried to play basketball. I, mean, I used to I used to play him and his and his friend in basketball, two on one. I'd kick the you know what out of them in a basketball game to sixteen. I would beat him like fifteen to one. Or I mean sixteen to one, I mean. You know, they could I was always better than him at sports. So it was never competition. But then when we would play video games, he was a video game yeah. guru. Okay. So he would find like in the NHL games, you know how like the goalie gets stuck in the net in yeah. the old games yep. and Super Nintendo or something like that? He figured out the glitches of the game and he would beat me in the glitches. I used to get so frustrated. Right. And I, I just I wanna break I broke the control one time. I took it I and I that. threw it against the wall because he knew the glitches of the game because he played it all the time. He found the hack. Yeah. Uh, found the hack and he always if he couldn't beat me in sports or any other thing, he he beat me in video games. He tried to find even right now in Madden in the new Madden games. I think last year's Madden game there's a glitch with tight ends, and if if you run a certain slant with the tight end, you can beat no matter what kind of defense press or playing the nickel or the dime, you're not going to stop it. It's impossible, okay. especially if he plays with Kansas City and he uses Patrick right, Mahomes yeah. and Travis Kelsey. It's almost impossible to stop Travis Kelsey. It's almost impossible. So he'll throw to Travis Kelsey the whole game. Even if I double team him, he finds he runs this this same route that I can't stop. Yeah, he should. That's right. He should be the one to test out all the glitches at the beginning of the game because it's always funny watching so the, Madden, the Madden releases at the beginning. Like the the players will get bigger or smaller or something like that. Or there'll be some like weird like lateral play that rolls back way too far. There's like before the game actually comes out, it's actually hilarious. It was so frustrating. Obviously, playing video games and still playing video games with him. I don't. I, I hate playing video games, and I can't sit in front of a video game. You know, we play video games sometimes here yeah. for an hour. If after an hour, I just get frustrated. I can't sit there, and even if I know the game of football, it, it, the video game is different because even though, like, let's say you're 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 playing a press defensively, or you're playing a nickel, or like I said, you're playing a prevent defense or something like that. Right. If you're running certain plays and you're using different, you know, different, you know, combo combinations, combinations of coverage. yes, coverage, yeah. you you can beat them with the running back. You can beat them with the tight end. So no matter how much I know the game of football, I can't stop you. Yeah. So it just it, it sucks. I, I but that's why I don't play video games. I, I no, you don't have time. I get that. I don't have time, but I, yeah. I I'm a competitive person. I I get frustrated. I, I do. I get frustrated. I'm not a sore loser. I don't sit there and say you suck. I just get frustrated. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's just me. Anyways, um, finishing up uh, for tonight. I want to get into some baseball. Steve Cohen says that the Mets spring training spending does not mean a title. I will say this, okay, because I respect Steve Cohen. I do. I, I think Steve Cohen is a great – he is a great owner. The guy spent a lot – he spent $1.5 billion over the last two years. But you told all the Med fans, and in, the fi- in five years, you expect to win a championship. You're going on year three, okay, as the owner of the New York Mets. You spent all that money on Justin Verlander for two years. You're paying him close to $100 million for two years. You paid Max Scherzer for three years, the biggest pitching contract in Major League history. You spent money 
and dollars and millions and millions of dollars after this player and that player. You have the highest paid shortstop in the major leagues. You bring in Marte. He's not the highest paid center fielder, but he's he's making a pretty pretty nifty penny. You paid Brendan Nimmo this offseason. Uh, you gave him like a seven or eight year deal worth about $180 million or something like that. Yeah, 160 was $20 million a year. Yeah. You're spending all this money and you're telling players, Speedy, you're a Met fan. Are you happy that your owner says that? I don't love that he said it. I mean, it is true to an extent because the Mets, again, they're getting the reputation now of the high market team finally, but. It doesn't always win when it comes to modern identity because baseball is the most statistically driven sport where there's so many other factors that are included in that that is raw, that better than just the raw talent rather than just the high-profile players. You need depth. You need strategy. You need versatility. And the Mets definitely showed those deficiencies when guys got hurt last year, when Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom were both hurt at the same time. I wouldn't say they did as bad as previous Mets teams, but they still really collapsed badly in August. The Braves obviously caught up, made it an interesting division race, and then eventually took them over, sweeping the Mets at the end of the season. They still haven't found that end of their identity yet. You're right. I don't love Steve Cohen saying it publicly, but I do think him thinking that maybe he could helpfully change some of the philosophies that that the Mets have had with previous GMs, previous ownerships, or um, previous executives, stuff like that, where they haven't approached the little things as well. Injury management, depth, baseball concepts built in. I think they got better contact hitting-wise, but still not like, it's still not something that I could trust consistently, because in the second half of the season, they had one guy on, one guy off, and it's just, it's a little thing that's the unknown that's keeping them from being a well-oiled baseball machine, like we talk about with the Dodgers, the Braves, the Astros, teams like that. Steve Cohen says, you know how hard it is to get to the World Series, as you saw last year, right? Cohen said on Monday, a New York spring training camp. So, the only thing you can do is put yourself in the position where where good things can happen. Got to make the playoffs. The team's got to, to be healthy. It's got to, to to be rested. It's got to be, you know, everything's got to fall together pretty much. Putting yourself there and obviously being healthy all the way through. Uh, to me, the Mets payroll is projected at $370 million this season which could break the record set by the 2015 Dodgers uh, who had a $291 million uh, payroll. This season would mark the first time the Mets have had the highest payroll in single season uh, history since 1989. Cohen cited inflation as a factor of the offseason spending spree. All of a sudden, we are we were looking for prices up to 20 to 30% Cohen said that was a shocker to me and certainly changed our plans and i had to think differently you know 300 million dollars which is still a lot of money didn't get us like it used to what we could so he's saying that spending all that money didn't get us as much players as it would have right. you know in the past mm-hmm. The Mets are expected to pay a luxury tax of $116 million this season. The Mets have the two, uh, two highest individual salaries in baseball this season. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander both making $43.3 million. The Mets are the only one of the two. The Mets are only one of two teams along with the Angels that are currently, that currently have three players making $30 million this season. Cohen also said about ownership complaining about him spending recklessly. 
they've been dealing with this problem for a long time, Cohen said. It's really hard for me to say how to solve that because I think it's a multivariable problem. I think ultimately, I think the key of baseball is you need to grow revenue. And it can't be through constantly raising ticket prices. It's got to be getting up and getting more attendance, getting more interest in the game. So that's what Steve Cohen said. And I think he's right. He the Baseball right now is behind football. In the 90s before the strike, baseball was bigger than football. It was the biggest sport in the world. Baseball falls behind basketball now, too. Yes. And basketball players are the, the most followed players on social media, especially Twitter and Instagram. So it's the difference. And now, obviously, with the guarantee money, basketball and baseball are really – and hockey players make guarantee money too, but it's – Not nearly not as Not nearly as much. I think the highest paid hockey player is making $14, 15000000 million. Yeah, and their overall salary cap is $82.5 million, whereas the NBA, their overall salary cap is 20, 123 technically. But they have so many luxury tax like leeways too that t- t- owners get out of that all the time with all the max contracts they pay. And then there's baseball that doesn't even have a salary cap. I think it's very, very interesting hearing what Steve Cohen had to say about the luxury tax. And, and he doesn't care about the $116 million. And he's saying that it's not, it's not like I'm going out there and trying to outbid everybody. He's saying that he wants to put a good product out there. And if he has to spend his money to put a good product out there f- so fans could be become bigger baseball fans out there here in New York, he will do so. Because he wants, he wants more fans, more people following the New York Mets and baseball here in New York. And being that you play in the same city as the New York Yankees, you want to compete with them. You want to make sure that you're right there with them, neck and neck with the Yankees. And as the Steinbrenner family are very close with the Cohen family, as uh, you know, Hal Steinbrenner is, is very good friends with Steve Cohen, it's not that they're competing against one another. They're, they're, what they're trying to do is bring their fandom to the, the ballpark so they can obviously bring baseball back on top from football and all the other sports right now that have dominated. Yeah, and again, you look at the balance of doing that with the fans, trying to get them up and get the, not the necessarily the attendance up because the Mets always have great attendance, but yes, getting new fans to become Mets fans and making them a more nationally known commodity versus trying to make the baseball decisions. And that's what I, and that's the balance you have to find. Uh, we've seen the Dodgers find, yeah, they have an, again, amazing making the World Series all the time, but they still create a consistently good product with that. The Braves have started to do that now with a different approach, but still a good approach. And they've done it with some really talented and popular players as well. And the Mets are definitely doing it with the popular players. Now, can they do it with those good value players? Now, I'm not saying that the contracts that a lot of these guys have are bad. Like a, like Jeff McNeil, I thought was a good bargain. I thought Brandon That Nimmo, was the best bargain. Yeah. Brandon Nimmo, I thought was solid. It's long, but it's solid. I think 20 million. I think million, they overpaid for Brandon I think 20, 20 million is fine for that. Uh, eight years is a little concerning. McNeil's a better history. player than Nimmo. I agree. No, I agree with that. But even so, like I, I still think for the way he's played, it's still good value. I think the years are more what I'm concerned with with him. But again, certain other contracts giving, like like I said, Verlander with that kind of money when you already have an older pitcher in Scherzer is a bit of a risk. And that's where I'm referring to with the approach thing. Like, do you balance out getting a less flashier pitcher and then having him merge him just on the Mets name, the New York name? Th- that could get something more. Well, we know why they brought in Verlander. It was a whole, obviously, Jacob DeGrom thing. Losing Jacob DeGrom really made them go after Justin Verlander. Justin 
Verlander is a great pitcher, uh, obviously having a Cy Young season with the Astros, but he also played on a great, uh, a great uh, pitching staff. That pitching staff was from top to bottom was the best in baseball. So even if Ver- Verlander was the number one or the number five guy, he was being protected by all these other pitchers. Right. And you don't, it, it didn't matter if you were playing, you were playing Verlander, you're playing somebody else with that lineup, the way the lineup was playing. And defensively, they were one of the, the best defensive teams in baseball. Now Verlander's playing on the Mets. Are they the best team in baseball defensively? They're not. Uh, do they have the best rotation in baseball? They do not. Do they have probably the oldest rotation in baseball? They do. So, that's the that's the secret right here. Are these two, three old pitchers, uh, uh, like senior citizens, going to go out there and going to be able to compete against the elite teams in the National League East, which is one of the best divisions now in baseball, where you have to play Philadelphia 16, 17 times a year or 15 times a year, and the same thing with the Braves. I mean, two good lineups and two really good pitching staffs. Right. And we've also never seen the Mets have the, the, the gem finding that we've seen the Dodgers and the Braves have either. When have you ever heard like this, a Mets prospect like that ahead of schedule that breaks out quickly? Probably McNeil's been the only one recently that has done that. Alonzo came up when he was supposed to and, and broke out. And a lot of the other position players that were homegrown had trouble from a consistency basis when they've come up with the Mets, too. And same kind of thing with the pitching, too. Matt Harvey emerged quickly but Zach Wheeler had control issues at the beginning of his career, got hurt, and now he's great with Philadelphia. And Noah Syndergaard, great stuff, was good, but really took, Who's him, hurt a, now? Uh, really took him a while to get going, too. And now, again, all the injuries have shame on, his career. Shame on the Met fans that are making fun of Jacob DeGrom all over social media because he's hurt. Shame on you guys. For seven years, this guy's been the face of your organization. He was the face of your organization. And now you, you hear that he has a lat problem. He's, he's had uh, like yeah. pulls in his grind or whatever the heck it right. was. And, and now he could be out for a couple of weeks and stuff like that. I think he'll be ready for the beginning of the season. But nevertheless, how could you be making fun of a guy that was a very important piece to your organization? Yeah. You're mad at him because he, he wanted more money. He was taking more money from a team that was offering him more. Right. And he got a lot of money, too. Yes. So it's not like the, I, don't, I don't think the Mets. Did he want to be on the Mets? He didn't want to play for the Mets. No. He didn't want to deal with the fans. He wants to go to a, a, you know, a city where he's not going to be bothered. He wants to live on a farm and not deal with the New York press. Right, and if they were that worried about the injuries, that wouldn't have been the approach either because Jacob DeGrom had a very weird injury timeline as it was. Yet, at the same time, they would also get get Justin Verlander there, who, who's 40 and could easily get, just get hurt easily too. He just had Tommy John surgery. Yep. Yeah, he won a Cy Young, but... He just had Tommy John surgery in at the beginning of the 2021 season. Had to miss that entire season. Took him a while to get going this year before he finally broke out. But that doesn't mean he can't do it again. What you're saying with the Astros is very true. Not as much as in terms of their pitching depth. More of what their pitching factory has been yep. like. Where they develop and rebirth pitchers well. Veteran pitchers. Then have them And having them make an impact on the team. You saw them do that with Charlie Morton. Uh, you saw them do that with Zach Grinke when they traded for him. Really after he had that bad stretch with the Diamondbacks. Having him bounce back the way he did. The Astros system, the analytic system that they have to get these pitchers going really helps. Now, will the Mets bring those same kind of concepts? Hopefully, you would like to see that. But that's what I'm talking about with getting the little things going in baseball. where The Mets have had those concepts kind of hinder them at times. And it's always something new, it seems like. It's the injury injury issue every year, it seems like. But it's one year, it's not enough power. One year, it's not enough bullpen. One year, it's all these uh, starters that don't go the length. And it just seems like the approach 
sometimes they don't have a good backup plan if something goes wrong. And what happens if one of Scherzer or Verlander is out for an extended period of time, and you have to worry on the worry on these older pitchers too? And a rookie in Senga, who's 29 years old, not to mention a Japanese pitcher who they usually take longer on their lineups. In a year, there's going to be a pitch clock. That's going to be a tough adjustment too. And I, that's another thing with the new roles and obviously moving forward in, in a new season where you can't shift. Is it going to help Scherzer? Is it going to help Verlander and the older pitchers right now? Quintana. Sure. I mean, so it, you you have to look at the big picture of where the Mets went when when it comes when it came to spending the money in the offseason. They spent a lot of money on the pitchers. They really did. Right. Now the question is, are these guys going to hold up throughout the season with the age that they are? Buck Showalter is is a guy that likes veterans. He's always liked veterans, but he's also helped grow some of the young players that they have. The Mets are now considered a veteran team. They're not a young team. They were actually trying to bring in Correa. If they brought Correa, he's a veteran player. Yes, he's a young player. He's still 27 years old, but he's a veteran player. Now they have Beatty starting at third base. So they have some youth in in that Nimmo is still a young player, Beatty. But that's it. Marte is a veteran player. This is a veteran team. Right. So – they're expected to win now. So I disagree with Steve Cohen saying, well, I'm, we're not expected to win right now. Okay, you spent all this money, all this money on veteran players. How are you not expected to win? Yeah. And again, I don't mind him saying that it's not guaranteed to win in order to maybe alter the approach. Maybe 100% it's guaranteed to win. You you go into the Braves right now, you're going to tell them if you went to the organization, you went to the GM right now and they said, well, we did this, this and this. So we're not we're not there to win. What are you crazy? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. He weirded it, worded it weirdly. I agree with you on that. And it's it's something that I think should have been said internally, not publicly the way he did it at spring training, because you're kind of also put some extra pressure. Obviously, you can control that. He says you can't control it. You do control it. You're spending all this money. You're controlling it by putting these players on the field to make your team better. So how could you say you can't control winning or losing? You can. Yeah. and You can. And there's new approaches that could be effective that we've seen these other teams use. And it just seems like they've had that with their hitters. I think they've gotten better with that where they've gotten good value for most of the contracts with the hitters. I think the only one that was down for the standard of their contract last year was probably Canna. But everyone else has really flourished. McCann obviously was before that and he was a bust. But that wasn't that same Epler regime. Of his signings, I think Canna was the only one that was down. But even so, mm. their approach got a li- little bit better with their hitters, but they haven't. now they, ha- they have to evolve with their pitchers, and it really ha- doesn't seem like they have to do that. I don't think the old pitching staff like strategy mm. is consistently something that works. The Red Sox did it with their World Series in 2018, but besides that... Are you going to really trust the way the Nationals built their team as something that's sustainable? I mean, look at where they are now. They've yeah. lost everything. So I don't think it's a really good a good model. I like the Braves model. I like the Astros model to use. And the Dodgers are the great combination of everything where they have the money and the ability to rebirth all these guys. And the Braves, the Braves are an organization that has a good farm system. So do the Astros. And that's why they can lose players and relinquish it through their farm system. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference right now. And the Mets, they can make all the excuses. And, and, and somebody like – and I like Steve Cohen. I think he's a great owner. I think he could spend, he should spend as much money as he possibly wants. If he if he wants to dig into his pockets and put his money you know to his team to help the fans come to the ballpark and not raise prices, well, that shows you the type of owner he is and what he's trying to put that put out as a product. But to sit here and tell me that you're not trying to win or you're saying 
saying that it's not about winning or it, this, this, and that, that's a that's a bunch of crap. Yeah. Because if you're going to go out there and spend $370 million practically in the last two years on players and your your cap is so shooting high, you're paying $116 million in luxury tax, that means you're losing $116 million. Don't try to sell to me that you're not trying to win now. Yeah. Okay? That's a crap. That's a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that and that's not going to sell to the fan, especially the big diehard fans that are sitting here saying, we love you, we love you, keep spending. And you're saying, well, you know, I, I'm just an owner that wants to help the team grow and this, this, and that. We're not trying to win. Yeah. We can't, we can't, we can't push ourselves to win. You, you don't always win. Listen, you go out there and you put uh, an all-star in every single position. The chances you have to win is very high. Yeah. And it just the, between the timing and the way he did it, it seemed like that comment was just very weird. The way he did it too, like I feel like that's something you would do, like at the end of the season, like when the Mets lost to the Padres in the playoffs. That's something. Right, when the let's Yankees change the approach. When the Yankees did it in two thousand nine, okay, and they brought Alex Rodriguez and Mark Teixeira and CC Sabathia and AJ Burnett. When they brought all those guys, those guys are stars, okay. Mm-hmm. And you had a star star team. You had everybody a star on every position. Every single position. Robinson Cano as your second baseman. Derek Jeter as your shortstop. And then your outfield was practically stars too. So you had a star in every single position. Alex Rodriguez was the third baseman. You had the best infielder in baseball. Okay? By far. And, and you're going to tell me that the Yankees didn't try to buy their way? They did. That that year I could honestly say the Yankees bought their championship. No There's no question that they did. You had Alex as the third baseman. Derek Jeter as your shortstop. Robinson Cano as your second baseman, first baseman Mark Deschera, and Posada as your catcher. And by the way, you had the best closer in baseball, Mariano Rivera. Best closer all time. Yeah. Okay, you had you had CC Sabathia, arguably the best lefty in baseball. AJ Burnett was a pretty damn good right-handed pitcher. Okay, the, that pitcher Andy Burnett, Andy Pettit, who was Andy Pettit was one of the best playoff pitchers in you know Yankee history as a lefty. I mean that 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 was an all-star team. And and if if you went to Brian Cashman said, well, we're not expected to win this year or we're not pushing to win. That's a, that's a bunch of crap, okay, yeah. because he wouldn't have went out there and spent almost $400 million on four players to try to do that. Right, and the large market teams like that are always going to have the expectations whether they can say whatever they want to say or not because of the payroll itself. Any team that's going to have a top five payroll is going to have high 100%. expectations. And most years – and. Teams in those cities that are that are big cities, big markets. If even if they have a top ten payroll, are going to have those types of expectations because of the money that they have and the potential that they have to build up. How about the line? How about the line he says got to make the playoffs? If you don't make the playoffs after all the money that you spend, it's catastrophic. Yeah. How how could you sit there and tell the fans, hey, you know, we got to make the playoffs? You not only have to make the playoffs. You absolutely need to make the playoffs. The only, yeah, the only way that would be like even excusable is if you had like 19 injuries at once. It's crazy. You have enough to even make up five injuries. You should. You have arguably two, you know, two of the greatest pitchers to ever play the game on your roster now. Two of the greatest Mm -hmm. that played in Detroit in the primes of their careers. Right. Okay. And now they've gone elsewhere and, and won elsewhere. So. 
you you can't tell you can't sell to the Met fan. Well, we got to make the playoffs. Oh, we got to do this. There's no guarantees. You, know, you spend three hundred seventy million dollars. There better be some kind of guarantee to it. Yeah, and you better figure out a second half identity too, because the Mets the last two years collapsed part in the second half. They missed the playoffs completely yeah. the 2021 year, mm-hmm. and then last year they blew the division. You can't sell that to me as a fan. No, I, I, not until they actually can do it and be trusted in a playoff series. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank, obviously, our, our star safety friend, Oregon sophomore safety, Marco Vidakovic. He was fantastic. Thank you, Marco, for joining us. And, uh, obviously, uh, ex-Cowboy, Colt, and Broncos fullback, Chris Gronkowski. Gronk, you, you were fantastic. Thank you for joining us. I know you're a busy guy. Four kids, wife, you know, businesses. Companies, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're killing it. We really appreciate your time, man. You were fantastic. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you to all the fans and all the things that I, I sent and I was trying to read off during the show and Speedy sending me different things. I, I mean, it's hard when you're trying to host a show and trying to read off things and stuff like that. It, it really is. But uh, thank you to all the fans. Thank you for all the people that, you know, show us the support and, and give us the support. And, 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 you know, you can hate us or love us, but we like to give you the content. We make sure that the content is good every single week. So uh, I will, we will not be here on Wednesday at 7 p.m. or Thursday this week at 9 p.m. I will be in Toronto working and, and doing things. Uh, for the network and, and spending some time uh, with my girlfriend in Toronto. So, um, But when I get back next week, Wednesday and Thursday, we'll be back in, in normal times. Uh, but uh, thank you to all the fans. Listen to the Weekend Crunch. Uh, Josh will be filling in for me this week with Speedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, looking forward to hearing that, uh, that craziness uh, with Josh. Probably be half baseball most of the time. But. No, we can't structure it like that. <laughs> I don't know with him. I don't know with him. But thank you to all the fans, as always. We'll be back next week. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.